Hello, everyone. Welcome to Line of Succession. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer, my co-host. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Man, switched up the uh, switched up the intro on you this week, Spencer. We have a new episode of Succession. Last week, I complained, not really, but kinda, a little bit. You know, I was like, eh, it's a little slow. Man, I did not feel like this was slow. I felt like some things happened this episode. We have not really talked about the episode. What are your thoughts? We've talked before with like uh, Ted Lasso that every now and then I see an episode and I just think to myself, this episode is really going to make Lee happy. This is a Lee kind of episode. This felt like a Lee kind of succession episode. I'm guessing there were certain scenes, a couple in particular we'll talk about, that just had you over the moon. It really was. Um it was a, it was a, it was just peak succession for me in that you know actions have consequences that are not clearly defined as good or bad everybody's in this weird amorphous state of gray and you just don't know where to turn as an audience member i i don't think i've ever seen a show that keeps you keeps your head on a swivel as far as who you should be liking and rooting for and hoping succeeds like it it is it's really hard on the audience in that respect if you're looking for a hero this ain't your show yeah it's really it's a really fascinating point to note is that these characters are so rounded they are so complete they are so flawed that each episode we're just learning more about them which just takes us on a constant up and down journey of what level of bastard they are in any given moment and whether there is something resembling a hero or not by the end of this show. I'm leaning towards not, but it doesn't mean I don't have a certain measure of sympathy for some of these people. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it's it's just tough. It's they, they really keep everybody in this weird state of gray, and I find that just really, really fascinating. So, on the line of succession, if you've joined us before, you know that we have a recap, which I lead every week. I will bang through the recap. My man Spencer will jump in with hot takes, thoughts, anecdotes, humor, all kinds of things to entertain the people as he does every week. And then we will jump to Roy of the episode where we award a Roy, Roy of the episode. We basically say, hey, which Roy won the week? That's going to be tough this week. We don't have to get into it now. I'm just going to say. Not going to be the easiest one to select this week. And then we then we get into line of succession, which will be our favorite line of the week. I am imp- God Emperor of that segment. I and I alone choose line of succession, although Spencer does supply me with plenty of nominees. And then we go into my favorite five minutes of every week. Spencer, based on the events of the episode, which, of course, in this in this season uh, and in this, this episode, completely healthy. No, I mean, no, nothing unhealthy at all gives us relationship advice of the week based on this episode of succession spencer do you have some relationship advice of the week for us this week you can supply as so often with the show i have a numerous list of recommendations of things not to do thank you show you always provide us guidance on that particular front that is exactly what this week does boy it is brutal this week i'm gonna go ahead and say it spencer this was the we're on the playground line right here in the sand Mm mm-hmm don't we're not forming armies we just have a one-on-one fight to the death shiv kindle holy shit i did not quite see it getting to the, like i thought that the, these two were going to be at each other's throats this season i didn't think it would happen this fast and this intensely it got super personal super quick holy fuck yeah i mean the, we've always known that the most the, the, the two that are i think far and away the most cutthroat of the four um roy siblings the ones the most willing to be a killer as it were as much as their father debates whether any of them are capable of that. Be a killer. But this one, man, they were both throwing haymakers, and we really learned just how far they're willing to go for the sake of, 
I don't even know if it's success when it comes to some of the last moves here. Just bruised pride. Yeah, I don't know. We'll get into it, but Shiv's motivations are really, really interesting to me. Oh, yeah. But before we jump into the recap, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. This is a brand new podcast feed. It is not a new podcast, however. We were doing our coverage of season one and season two on a different podcast feed called Mangum Talks TV. Line of Succession, however, which is the podcast feed you are on right now. New podcast feed for us, so we are gaining listeners every week. People are discovering us. I know there are a lot of Succession pods out there, so the fact that you choose to spend your review time, your hour or two that you can devote to breaking down the episode with us, we truly appreciate it. Thank you. This is a Mangum Talks episode. Spencer and I review a boatload of po- of television shows on a number of podcast feeds if you want to get to any of them just go to your favorite podcast platform could be the one that you're in right now type in mangum talks m-a-n-g-u-m talks and woo voila all of our pods will magically appear and you can listen to spencer and i gab about television shows such as game of thrones or ted lasso or queen's gambit or chernobyl or the nevers on hbo uh we also did the nevers on hbo which is also a very a very good show uh but the issue at hand, Spencer, is I really want to get into this recap because there is a scene I want to talk about. God damn it, I don't know. It's going to be hard for me to even get through the recap. I'm going to rush through the recap to get to the scene. I think you know what scene I'm talking about. Yeah, man, I think I could hazard a guess. There is a scene here of where I can just picture you just almost chewing on your fingers so excited as you must have been to talk about it with, with me. Holy crap. Yeah, it, it's one. It's a top two or three, maybe five moment in succession of all time. But we'll get there. Let's go ahead and start with the recap. Spencer, anything you want to say before I start banging away on the recap? There are moments in this of what you've talked before about how much you enjoy The Office. That's one of your favorite shows, The American Office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are moments of watching Kendall in this episode that reminded me of the worst of Michael Scott, and just in terms of awkward, hard to watch material. I think that's that man, a fair comparison. I mean, he's an awkward human being generally, but man, it is Kendall dialed up to 11 for certain parts of the first half of this episode. Yeah, he's, I mean, they do not hide that he is a wildly imperfect person who is hard to follow. Uh, he is, I mean, you know, Kendall is a leader. I don't know uh, because he he's hard, right? It's, he's a very difficult person to deal with. But yeah, we'll get into that more in the recap. All right, I think I'm going to go ahead and start. You ready? Ready. Okay, we start with Kendall out to lunch with the journalist. He sure says a lot of stuff on background, I would like to say. <laughs> Spencer, he, my man Kendall really trusts the background process because, uh, wow, he t- basically spills all of his beans to this reporter on, quote, background. Yeah, it's two minutes of the entire plot summary of the season as just uh, background, background. Of course, it's background. Yeah, mentioning that his immunity deal is about to go through and that Waystar is crumbling because his dad is failing. He also tra- trashes Jerry. Uh, here's the quote. Jerry is great. I love Jerry, but Jerry is a time server who is way in way over her head. Spencer, would you like to defend your girl, Jerry? I think that's a necessary political statement for him to say. I think we see directly in this episode that that is just fundamentally not true. And that, that if she was actually given more authority, everyone in the company would be better off. Yeah, I'm not sure he believes it either, because you notice when he starts to trash Jerry, he has to stop and like he does this mantra of like, well, I do, I do like Jerry. Jerry is great, but here's my company line. Like, you yeah, know, he has this thing he has to say. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same that everybody's had about Jerry before, even back in like season one of when they're debating when their dad is unable to carry out the job because of his stroke, who could step in. But they're all talking. They all go. And Jerry, I don't hate Jerry. And everybody pretty much has the same note. I don't think any of these kids has anything wrong to say about Jerry. I think she was actually a pretty good part of their lives. Agreed. She then goes to record the conversation. I want to point out a a moment. So I'm, let me let me preface this. 
I think that Jeremy Strong in this episode, who plays Kendall, has delivered one of the better performances in HBO history. I'm going to go ahead and say that. There are some moments here that are astounding acting. And he starts it with, and I don't know if you caught it, when the food is being placed down, he like awkwardly tries to slip the napkin out from under the food before it lands. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little mo- he doesn't have to do it right that within the scene he can easily let the plate just you know go down in front of him and he can continue on but by doing that little teeny like oh hold on let me get my napkin out he breaks the facade of man I am just this super cool guy everything's perfect it and it like is a, almost like an involuntary thing and I love the moment because it it shows that like this veneer he has of like man I got everything under control I'm gonna take down my dad I'm like. I've got everything like locked in. It breaks without him even knowing it's happening, right? Like it's just it's, it's, he's just destined to screw this up. I'm picking up. You're not buying that Kendall's in a good headspace right now. But man, he—he's your, he's your man, Kendall. He's in a good headspace. Why are you questioning this? Well, I started right out by saying that like these that what they've given us is a bunch of characters that are hard to root for. Nobody is all good or bad. I have I'm on the side of Kendall here, but like. Yeah. He just over and over again shows you how like kind of weird and socially awkward he is, and this was just a little small moment where we start to get that, and we get more of it through this the episode. And, and this, this, it's this unpacking of Kendall this episode that makes this probably my favorite episode of the season so far. Of just realizing how much of the bluster Yay. that I found off-putting in the first two episodes was a facade, and the scared little damaged boy that is actually inside the real Kendall is still very much there. And in that vein, the reporter says, you're quite concerned with how you're going to come across. And Kimball, oh, Kendall yeah. fumbles a response to that. Quote, did you see Sophie Awobi's monologue? She did an Oedipus pussy. Oedipussy. It was funny. It doesn't hurt because I am who I am. I want to plant a flag. He also <sighs> wants to be abused, apparently. He seems to, he seems to, we saw this in season two. He seems to feel the need to be tarnished, to be taken down, to be abused. Whether that's guilt, self-loathing, whatever else, he claims to be feeding on it this episode well let's get to that right when he decides to go on her show let's talk more about that because i I do want to i do want to kind of unpack that a little um it doesn't uh then she asks about the siblings how are they in this have you managed to stay close to them kendall says there are (laughs) issues but quote essentially yeah i'm just really happy in my headspace and i hope they are in theirs headspace let's hang on to that word it's funny Uh how the characters are kind of talking the same language even though they're not together we get two minutes and seven seconds for the cold opening. That's about on par for this show. That's about yeah, a normal cold opening. We cut to the opening music. Oh, do I love the opening music? I have like a, a just a Pavlovian response to the, the opening perfect. music anymore. Perfect. Cut to Roman. Oh, and then we get, we did get the, I noticed that we got the, uh, I smiled at a lady at the copier and now I'm facing chemical castration on the, on the ticker line. <laughs> it's the same ones, but they're still funny. <laughs> Very funny. Cut to Roman. Um, walking uh, with Shiv and Waystar. Hey, El Presidente, how you doing? How's your headspace? Bang, there we go. See? Yeah. Two characters talking the same language. We had that with action stations with Kendall and Logan in the previous two episodes. I feel like here they've actually, this is like the day after this uh, interview was published. And I think they're very purposely mocking Kendall's interview here. Roman keeps saying headspace over and over again as if he's purposely making a reference everybody gets to Kendall. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. Uh, that, that's a good. Yeah, it's a good way to think of it. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I don't know that I caught on to the sarcasm there, but in my defense, <laughs> every single fucking thing Roman says is so sarcastic <laughs> that it's really kind of hard to, 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 to parse it. Roman asked where characters' headspace is a lot this episode. Boom. There you go. Uh, he asked, um, Shiv asked Roman, is he, uh, if he liked the ending, Roman, oh, I love my kids. Where are their names again? Blurface and who cares? Shiv smiles at this. So they are talking pretty openly about the fact that Kendall's maybe not the best father. Right away, this comes up later in the episode. I mean, he's definitely an absentee father, but I think we saw in season one, he does care about his kids, at least as a concept. And I think he does care about his kids, just has difficulty expressing it. I mean, well, most absentee fathers do care about their kids. They're just not doing anything about it. It's kind of, it's a strange thing. Logan, Logan cares in principle. I don't think he actually cares in actuality. Is he an absentee father? I think he was throughout a large portion of their lives growing up. Now, I think it'd be better if he was. Weirdly enough, I get the impression that Logan was maybe around the kids more than then Kendall was even around his own right because he at least lived in the house with him as we see with Roman he may have been present he certainly wasn't involved if they can't even think of memories involving him cut to Carl with Sherry is it just me I know this sounds really cruel sorry everybody the actor who plays Carl has he aged 15 years since this show started (laughs) man we keep saying this about actors in every show we watch wow he looks way older man I hope that guy's okay but anyway he's with Jerry Jerry now trying to establish herself as the ceo she is trying to you know she has to it's a very difficult thing right to be a on almost like a peer level relationship with a a group of employees to get promoted when they promote from within Mm -hmm. and then now you are the boss of those employees it's a difficult dynamic that jerry is trying to navigate here and she's starting out with saying she wants to move forward with this israeli machine learning deal i feel like spencer that the writer's room for succession did uh new business deals in 2021 mad libs and came up with his really <laughs> machine learning deal well, it, it, it seems like it, it, it's, it does sound like a jumbled collection of words to me but it does stand in possible pointed contrast to what kendall said about her being in some way out of date or out of touch this seems to be on point for 2021 kind of thing to be talking about absolutely a lot of tech startups in israel and you know obviously machine learning big deal um a lot of AI work. I don't know where that fits in in Waystar's business model, but anyway, she wants to move forward with it. Kendall, I mean, Logan seems to think not at all, as we see in the next scene. Carl's taken aback by this, but it's clear Jerry wants to assert her authority. Mm-hmm. Roman storms in, says, action stations! There we go again. Says they have to go meet with Logan. Back in Logan's office, Logan expresses to Tom and Frank that he hopes their acting CEO is, quote, not getting too fucking acting. Mm-hmm. Frank, um... Uh, uh, do you know a scary story maybe we should reboot Pinocchio uh, the puppet that comes to life uh, what the fuck happened to Frank Jesus Christ ever since he's come back to the to the end of the fold after the end of season two he everything out of his mouth is nonsense it, it, nonsense or toadies or, to, or toadyish kind of statements he's here for the money and he's now ever since he got fired he realized how much how, how much and how fast it could be taken away yeah Logan goes in the meeting room, and Roman follows. Roman asks uh, how his headspace is. So there you go. And Logan doesn't mm-hmm. directly answer. Says he hears Jerry is looking at the quote Israeli outfit. Carl says that's pretty insignificant. Logan says, "Kill it, kill it. I don't want it. Kill it." Frank is oh. taken aback. Jerry walks in. Logan tells her not to fucking hover. Question for you, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Did you expect this dynamic now? Like, so Jerry's now the CEO. But the, the dynamic in this meeting, to me, doesn't feel a lick different than it ever did. Is that is that I, your read on it? And did you expect I, it? 
I was hoping, and I think Jared was too, that Logan would remain overseas for at least a while, which would mean that she would actually have independent authority because he'd be that you know distanced from their from their from their business dealings. I figured the moment that Logan actually came back to the U.S., any idea of her having an actual independent authority would just disappear. And yeah, this is no different than we've seen of, of Logan's usual style of command. This is what, but but what confuses me is he he does like he literally can't tell her what to do anymore. But he's doing it. Like, what if she says, no, no, Logan, I'm the CEO. Shut up. What happens? Uh, assassins could break into her apartment in the middle of the evening and she disappears forever. I guess. I guess what they're showing, though, is that a lot of the power vested in Logan is cult of personality. It's not necessarily his, his specific position because he doesn't have that position anymore. And everyone is still listening to him without asking a question. It doesn't even seem to be a dynamic in their head, right? And it's sheer intimidation. And it's interesting to see in this episode, the one time the one time he runs into somebody he can't intimidate anymore, he doesn't know what to do. He runs on this just sheer force of will to overpower people. And people that aren't responsive to that, he kind of just is left without a, without a weapon to pull. Yeah. Don't fucking hover. Tom says, there's talk Kendall's going to come in the office. Logan does not like that, Spencer. Not at all. Mm, 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 that rat mm. sets one foot inside this building. I'll punch him in the nose, okay? Roman. Well, I think that's the grown-up solution that keeps everyone happy. I love when Roman <laughs> delivers a line like that, and it really get it really gets to Shiv. Because yeah. Shiv, obviously, from, the, from Jump Street in this episode, has put on her, I am the boss, and I'm a very serious person now hat. But... Mm-hmm. She still got a kick out of that line from from Roman. You could tell there was still it, that, they they showed her face where she was like looking at him like you shouldn't have said that, but that's fucking funny. I mean, you could be Roman's mortal enemy, but that line, that well timed, you gotta give at least give him at least a chuckle. It'd be impolite not to. It's a grown up solution that keeps everyone happy. Shiv notices the comments from Roman, um, likes that. Uh, Logan tells folks to find out what he's planning about Kendall. Shiv tells uh, Logan she'll scope Kendall out that evening at the journalism dinner. She also references holding a Waystar Town Hall. Oh, <laughs> ah! more on that later, which she's happy to lead. Roman pokes at her leading it, of course. Jerry comes in uh, in support of the Town Hall. She, you know what I love? I love how Jerry talks because they write her really well. She's someone I would want to work with, right? Because when you're brain, this is an ineffective brainstorming session about like yes. what, what what's the next steps what are they doing now that everybody's in these new positions and the idea of the town hall comes up and you know too often at least in my business in my experience people will go yeah i like it or no i don't you never get that from jerry jerry goes yeah i like it it could provide blah you know she starts to yeah unravel Reasons. her thinking it's it's a it's a really positive trait i think for her it's something that like it's life lessons with lee like do that do that when you're in a brainstorming session and you say yeah i like it you know, go, go, do a Jerry. Give a give a little bit of meat on that bone as to why you like it or don't like it. It's not it's not only it's not only just revealing about what the reasons are for your decision or what you're thinking. It directly brings about further discussion because you're adding other further things for people to talk about. So yeah, it's wonderfully productive. Uh, Hugo comes in uh, with some marketing materials. Um, Spencer, you've know, had a lot of people complaining about this podcast. They've said that maybe you know you and I aren't coming with the energy that we need to, and we need to improve. We get it. <laughs> we get it. We get it. We get it. We, Roman. You know. mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. No, please. I, I want to hear you say the Roman line. We get it. Kind of like how those ladies on the cruise ships got it. <laughs> Good <laughs> God, Roman. 
my God, he will go. He will cut hard. But the thing is, is that it's it's the person delivering it, right? If Shiv had said that, the whole room would have exploded. Um, but Roman says it. People just ignore it. I mean, I, I'm also with Shiv. That Shiv's line about, yeah, yeah, we, we get it already. Stop moaning about the rapes. We get it is easily construed in that particular manner. They need to workshop this a bit more. I know. I thought she did a good job. I thought I thought her gut reaction was right. We get it is not great. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not a, not a good one. But you know, here here on the Line of Succession podcast, all the complaints we're getting and all the comments and all everything it. on Twitter. We play. We do like to play a Twitter game. We'll talk about that later <laughs> when we get our Twitter <laughs> comments, folks. We get it. Logan's admin comes in and says they have agents on the phone asking if Waysar is willing to accept service of a document subpoena. I'm going to pause there for you to translate. Uh, this is the government engaging in its efforts to investigate a potential crime for, you know, further indictments. They have, they're submitting essentially discovery requests to them so as to both preserve and acquire records for the sake of their investigation. Don't know how far along the criminal investigation is. Don't know what's necessarily occurred yet. I think it's far enough along they're getting fucking warrants by the end of this episode. But this is a big fucking deal. And Jerry's the only person in the room that is treating it that way. Logan tells them, Fuck off! Our two favorite words. Mm-hmm. Fuck off! Jerry tries to talk some sense to Logan. explains he could get some peanut to the grand jury. Logan, fuck him! Tell him to fuck off! This clearly makes everyone uncomfortable. And it, you know, Logan uh, is probably one of the only characters in the show that doesn't show a lot of weakness regularly. They're really good about writing the characters to show where they screw up, where their weak parts are, where their blind spots are. You don't see a lot of that from Logan. They are giving him one massive, huge weakness in this whole thing. And that is his not getting through his fucking head in these first three episodes that he cannot talk to the FBI as if they work for him. And I don't know why that this man who is by all accounts brilliant in a lot of other aspects of his life does not fucking understand this. I don't think he's ever had this exact scenario before. I don't think he's ever felt this level of powerless that he can't just call on his connections. He can't just wield his power to get people to do what he wants. These are people that are actually outside of his authority in a way I don't think he's ever experienced. And he doesn't know what to do then. It's it's pretty clear. I mean, it seems like he's got you know he's playing the hits with fuck off, tell him to fuck off, tell him I'm not I'm not going to deal with it. But he cannot tell the FBI to fuck off. This comes up again later in the episode. Cut to Tom and Greg. We need more of Tom and Greg in this show. It's been we so need long. more. FBI, hands up! I love that Greg does lift his hands. <laughs> such a fucking dope. Oh, Greg, you are such a fucking dope. Tom drops two white-looking pills on the counter, tells him Logan has told everyone to take cyanide. <laughs> Greg freezes. Tom, it's a mint, you doofus. Uh, Tom says he has something to show him. It's a new office. Uh, I mean, it's not very nice. Uh, what did you think of this move here? Did you think Greg Greg accurately sniffed out what's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, more than a little. This is a punishment-slash-intimidation tactic right now, because... Tom Tom views every relationship as a you know a bruised romantic relationship and acts accordingly. Yeah, he does seem personally offended that he that Greg will not do everything that he tells tells him to do. He makes fun of Greg's lawyer. Greg does a meager attempt at taking up for him. We we know that Greg's not super comfortable with his lawyer, and so I think Tom's hitting him hitting him in a weak spot there. Tom closes the door on um, the level, buddy. There are a million knives being sharpened right now. 
the DOJ is going to be like a combine harvester in a wheat field of dicks, okay? So I understand. I get it. I see that this is tough. I've gone Waystar. I think that's the safest. But tonight, I'm actually seeing a pal to get an objective take on my situation. And if you want, I can fold you in. So a lot of things going on there in the comment. From Tom first, checkmark dicks. He's, he's, there's a dicks reference. Always we got dicks. that. Got that on your succession bingo for the episode. Then he tries to say, hey, look, I get that the, the thing, this thing is tough. He tries to go in good cop a little bit. And then he lets in that, you know, maybe he's looking outside of Waystar for, for some help as well. He, he'd be a fool not to. I mean, if it, he knew back in season two that he was the guy that was being left holding the bag. You know, back in season one, he was the guy that was being left holding the bag. That, that yep. was his role was to be the fall It's been pretty guy. consistent, for sure. So I think he's a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to, you know, preparing for that eventuality. Greg Waffles. It's just Ken, Tom. Fuck Ken. Well, it's stupid. He's, he's just, you know, he's giving me a watch tonight to say thanks. So I don't know. You sold your ass for a watch? I'll buy you a watch, dickwad. Just fucking come over. I love that response from Tom. Like, I, I would, I think I would have that exact same response if I was Tom. Probably not in those words. But I would say, like, are you, a, a watch? Are you fucking kidding me? Do you see the building you're in? We'll buy you, we'll buy you a thousand watches. What is wrong with you? Question. I'm curious to unpack this. Why do you think Tom really wants Greg to be there? Because he knows Greg has the documents. You think this is, it's it's practically focused on that? That Greg is the guy. With, Greg is the guy holding the atomic bomb with his finger on the trigger. Tom's so, the only one that knows that, right? Because Greg told him, Greg told him he had the documents and that he kept them. And they did that whole like, eh, I'll never tell. And I don't think Tom ever went back and told Logan that Greg is the one holding them. So I think Tom is like the only one that accurately assessed out that Greg's kind of the linchpin in this whole thing. I think that's a very fair read. That's a very good point. I, 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 that is a good call about what the, probably is a primary motivating factor. I think another one might also be, though, that as twisted as their relationship is, I do think Greg, that Tom likes Greg. I think he views them as buddies, which is just warped. And I think he actually does kind of want to keep working with him and keep the two of them on their own little camp to protect each other. So we've seen him put himself out there to protect Greg in the past. And this may be in continuation of that. So can we agree that Tom has some struggles in life? That he's wow. not, it, things aren't things aren't perfect for Tom. While you're going out on a limb, can we also just, you know say for the world that water is wet? Just okay, get if we it can out establish there that as a baseline. Establish that as a baseline. Dr. Lee is going to write him a prescription. I'm Please. writing a prescription for Tom. You ready for it? Got my pen, my, got my pad out. Tom is sitting there. Uh, he's got the ready. gown on, and I'm going to write him a prescription to fix his ails. You ready for it? Here it ready is. It. Tom Wompsgam, you need true male friends. Yeah. He does not have true buddies that he can trust that he likes that he's comfortable with and i think a big thing with greg is that he like literally like he he he's wildly lonely in his relationship with shiv and he just wants another friend and i think he thought greg was going to be that but some combination of tom's weirdness greg's insecurity and their insane power dynamic has just fucked it all to hell it's a, it's a wonderful point to point out because I think Tom had friends in the past and he has effectively given them up and left them behind as part of joining this world of the Roys. Remember, yeah, remember his buddies? The Fly yeah. Guys. I was, that's, that's mm -hmm. what I was he had old buddies that actually flew into what Eastern European country it was. I don't even remember. Uh, for the purpose of attending his bachelor party. And then 
as he probably has done for years with respect to them, he left them behind right there for the sake of going off with the debauchery of being, joining the Roy family. So, uh, I think so, he is very I love much... how good that episode was. That was because a great they, they weren't, remember, they were actually, remember they were actually in New York, but they, the club was called like Amsterdam or some shit. Oh, you're right. Okay. <laughs> I love that your I, memory I of that was that it, it. <laughs> that it was somewhere in Czechoslovakia. You are correct. Thank you for that. <laughs> that was so great. That was such a great moment. But you're right, man. Like, he he needs to reconnect with those friends or get other new friends because I think part of this is just loneliness from time. Uh, the, and it has been for a while. Okay, this isn't going to be my relationship advice to the episode, but I'm going to throw it out there now. Maintain your friendship with your fly guys. You never know when you're going to need your fly guys in your life. So keep keep those friendships going. Absolutely. Life advice with Spencer. Keep your fly guys. Cut to Shiv and Roman with Carolina and Hugo. I like that we're getting more Carolina. Uh, that actress. Is, I like Carolina a lot. Yeah. I know we get, we've gotten beat up by not saying actresses' names before. I don't know her name. I'm sorry. I could look it up, but I really don't want to break the flow. Whoever she is does a phenomenal job of playing that like constantly uncomfortable in every single situation. I don't think she has unhunched her shoulders in three seasons. Oh god, it, it, it's Polish, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send it to you in the chat, and you're gonna try to pronounce this here in a minute. Okay, I can do that. Caroline is pitching the idea of an interview where, in the end, one of the children, like Shiv, maybe, you know, or you know, Shiv, or you know what, who it could be, Spencer, it could be Shiv, uh, could explain Shiv, yeah. a few personal things about her relationship. With Logan, Shiv pushes back. Ah, no, hmm. no, not gonna do it. Roman champ that he is. I volunteer as Tribune. All right, fine. Fuck you. I'll do it. I'll say I love Dad. Why not? I do, so, you know, fuck you. Shiv, oh, look at you. Cutest cheerleader in high school. Is it true you let the track team finger bang you for lunch money? Roman, stop projecting your memories onto me. One thing I have noticed, I am going to just point out here, is that if Shiv was a male, if she was a guy, we would we would lump her in with all of the problematic personalities at Waystar and not think a minute more about it because some of the shit that comes out of her mouth is just as bad as anything Logan says. It really, really is, and it also adds. We've talked before that Roman and Shiv have this weird, vaguely, constantly sexual referenced kind of relationship, and it just keeps going when it comes to the references and comments they make to each other. So between that and what is just locker room bully kind of interactions with other people shiv is the roys just in female form all right the lady who plays carolina you ready for it spencer i sent it to you so yes please dagmara dominzik dominzik yes. sure well said there we She's go that's who she is. does a great job but anyway, yeah, Shiv, oh my god, man, she's fucking got the the mouth of a fucking merchant marine. I mean, it's awful on her, and she, you know, she gets away with it, but man, she's, she says some fucking and, terrible it, shit. And it may also be, may also be, she's a bit of a killer. I think that I think we also might be able to say that about her, too. I think she's a killer. Cut to Kendall in a limo with Naomi. The actress playing Naomi has played her character a little bit different this season. I don't know if you've noticed it. She's a little bit more mindlessly following Kendall. I think in the previous two uh, previous season when we were introduced to Naomi, she was do there was a lot of back and forth and tête-à-tête she was doing with Kendall, and I think now they've really slotted her in as just basically like a lieutenant to this operation that Kendall's running. I, I don't know if you've noticed that change. I really hope that's not something they're going to consistently stick with because it would make me not I talked a lot in season two about how much I enjoyed their relationship and how much I thought yeah. they were potentially good for each other and getting away from their family. 
her just fully embracing the same kind of Kendall smile plastered on face, just floating through debauchery kind of lifestyle would not be as appealing to me. And I don't think it's an interesting as a, an, as interesting a way of using her character. So I hope that as we see Kendall kind of fall out of it this episode, that she can also support him in that different kind of setting too, rather than, as you said, his lieutenant as he just serves the, uh, well, the douchey explorations he engages in. Absolutely. And so he's she's in a limo with, with Kendall, who looks like he's had a couple. Uh, with his new social media team, which I guess part of their job is to party with him. I don't understand what? that. Social media and watch guy, apparently. Yeah, there's watch guy. Greg and a watch guy. And Greg is uh, looking at a watch and asked Kendall for the, quote, green light on this. I mean, I got um, all caps in my notes here. Hey, fucker, are you buying me this watch? That is yeah. what Greg tried to say. Kendall, because... And this is this is going this is going to be a weak spot for Kendall. And it's going to bite him in the ass. He does not pay enough attention to Greg. He he, he I get I get think intellectually he understands how important it is to have Greg in the fold. Mm-hmm. But he he doesn't exercise that. I guess it's because he doesn't respect Greg as a person. But he does not show him the he doesn't he's not giving Greg what he needs to to keep him in the fold. And I think it's a real unforced error on Kendall's yeah, part. It wouldn't be hard. To keep Greg happy, and he's not it, doing it. Yeah, if he loses Greg over a watch, which is to him pocket change, forty thousand dollars—that—that's—that's that, not even a rounding error when it comes to his daily expenses. And I honestly think he didn't give it to him so that he could make a joke to Naomi. I—I've I, got I, I, my thoughts are either a he's taking Greg for granted, which is monstrously stupid. Greg is the guy he most desperately needs in his camp, unless Greg is an idiot and already provided him the documents, which. Greg may be that dumb to have already provided Kendall the documents. I don't know. Uh, point number two, that's a good call. That he seemed to like get off on the idea that he could make a little cruel joke to Naomi and just like make fun at Greg's expense. Or option number three, he's just so thoroughly removed from the experience of normal humans that he can't imagine that $40,000 wouldn't mean anything to Greg because it means so little to him. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I see. I, I think might not be right because he did realize that it was important for Greg to get help getting an apartment. So he does he know Greg doesn't have that, a ton yeah. of money. Yeah. Though that though um, that was season two, Kendall, and we've he's been away from that mindset for a while. Kendall tells Greg, uh, "Fuck it, you deserve it." So talk, talking past, past each other here, Greg thinks Kendall's going to buy him the watch. I can tell you this: I like Kendall. I am Team Kendall. Mm-hmm. I'm consistent in this. I want no parts of this limousine ride. <laughs> I don't want to be in it. I don't want to be near it. I don't mm-hmm. want to, any parts of this limousine ride. Greg says he usually just uses his phone for his time needs. Uh, Spencer, question for you. Do you have a watch or do you use your phone for your time needs? Uh, would you consider a Fitbit a watch? Yeah, absolutely. I have a Fitbit on my, on my wrist right now, and I am also self-conscious about my wrist. I enjoy having a watch on my wrist. Okay. Yeah, I got I had an Apple Watch, and I am a big Apple Watch fan. I think that's a great product from Apple. So yeah, shout out. They're not obviously uh, that's not a plug for any sort of advertisement. That is just me saying Apple watches are sweet, and they are not forty fucking thousand dollars, which yeah. is an obscene amount of money to put on have your you, wrist. Have you considered a forty thousand dollar watch, sir? Could it be just that much more sweet than what you presently have? Unbelievable. Forty thousand oh. dollars. Yeah. What a a shitty fucking limousine. What would you do if you were stuck in this limo? Uh, you know, wait for a stoplight and just get out and hope for the best. I, the moment that they're in, 
it never starts good, but the moment they start playing good tweet, bad tweet, I'm out. I'm done. Good tweet, bad tweet. This. Spencer, you ready to play good pe- tweet, bad tweet with Mangum Talks? Even less than I was in the episode. Thank you. Okay. All right. Good tweet from Mangum Talks. You ready for this? This is a real one that we got. You ready? No. Okay. Um, love the episode. Thank you for the thorough review. I won't go into the details of the review. They, they explain what the review is. Mm-hmm. But seriously, guys, two hours, that's way too much. I stopped listening at an hour. <laughs> okay, you started good. You went bad tweet by the end, man. So that's good tweet, bad tweet. All in one tweet. There you go. Well done. <laughs> so they play good tweet, bad tweet. I'm going to read them off here. Good tweet, quote, allies don't come in the form, always come in the form we like. But what Kendall Roy did was important and brave. Bad tweet, Kendall Roy is not a hero, fam. He's bootleg Ross with a daddy complex. That's the kind of type of Twitter I like. Just a little that one's just funny. Like that. that one's just funny. Good tweet. Maybe it's just because he's murking his shitty dad, but I kind of want to fuck Kendall Roy. Strange thing for his social media person to read out loud. That is, a, It's a bizarre relationship he's got with these ladies now. It's what I think it's accurately reading the room to what the room would find funny and enjoy. Bad tweet. Okay, he clearly has mental health issues and crazy guilt coupled with addiction. That's all this is, and it's sad. Too real, too true, too deep into the bone marrow of this man. Boo. That one sucked. That one sucked. Um, seriously, here's the thing. Here's why this one bothers Kendall, and I'm going to go ahead and explain it to folks. Mm-hmm. Kendall is a, is an is an addict alcoholic. He's dr- he's drinking because uh, I think in his mind he separated drugs and drugs and alcohol. But he he's he's got a problem with both. Mm-hmm. And uh, he like most addicts and alcoholics do does not like and does not like to think of himself as just that. He wants to think of himself as more than just an addict and an alcoholic. And unfortunately, every single person who wants to hit him always goes back to that. And it's always going to hurt because he wants to be more than just that in his life, like most addicts and alcoholics. And it's a great portrayal of it. You'll notice every every time in this episode, it's you can, you can draw a straight line between when addiction is brought up and when he gets really upset. Well, it seems like he's That's what off. seems to bug him. I mean, it seems like he's either getting off or trying to show strength or self-abuse, but it, on surface-level stuff, on stuff that's attacking him for his family and being privileged and things that don't really matter, when it's cutting something that's actually a flaw that he recognizes, that actually an issue that keeps him back, that he's struggling with, that he has difficulty with, honest-to-God difficulty with, that shatters what facade he has built for himself of just happy indifference. In a heart but I get, but I gotta give him credit. He can take a joke about a lot of things. When yes. people, you know, when they make fun of him for like, you know, like being like a rap fan, you know, like he can laugh along with that. He mm-hmm. laughs like to Q Kendall's credit, he laughs along with jokes about himself. He t- he t- he is able to laugh at himself more than probably any other character on the show is. Absolutely, very true. But and he's and he's he's willing to engage in it. I mean, for even starting good tweet bad tweet, even wanting good tweet bad tweet, he he's willing to engage in that. I just I, I maybe I'm looking for it, but it seems to me that the the clear line is when addiction is brought up. That's when he gets bummed out because he thinks, oh man, that that's what all people think of me. It's de- it's he's, def- he's willing to laugh off everything else but that. It's definitely one of them. I don't know if it's the only one, but we're going to see a scene here in a bit to debate that on. 
Naomi gets out, uh, or Kendall gets out with Naomi in hand. Should I give them something? Fuck the patriarchy! Oh, God, Spencer. Cringe! <laughs> Kendall starts uh, working a safe word with her. You ever do that with your partner? You go somewhere and you say, hey, should we a safe word or a safe gesture or something you know meaning like hey when we we hit this word or this gesture we get the hell out of this thing i usually don't there i've ne- we've never had to do a safe word it's usually just we can communicate it either without words or there's an opportunity for i can just come over to her and whisper in her ear we, we should leave now we don't need to like work in olives or something into a conversation so that we need to get out of there i think the idea is that they were worried they were never going to be alone again once they walked in <laughs> um so, you know, they wanted to have like a phrase or something. I think it's actually a smart thing to do. I've done it with my partner before. Nice. Shiv is there and her ex-boyfriend, who I believe still works for Gil. Is that right? Comes up to her. Apparently. Uh, he says, quote, the Committee for the Protection and Welfare of Journalists. You're into that. Would you like to keep them like, you know, in protected hutches, correct? Like the little feeding bottles, kind of like hamsters. Shiv then goes on to rep Waystar, rep up Waystar, talking about how many journalists they keep employed, which isn't a terrible point, maybe, but he does accurately sort of punch back, quote, the Soviet Union employed a ton of journalists, too. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> I don't know that they were actually journalists they were employing. Depends on your definition job. of journalists, I think. <laughs> that's kind of a stretch. I will tell you this. Uh, I, I recap that scene. Why, Spencer? Podcast professional here for the people, here for you all every week. I could give two shits about these two. Don't care. Please move on from it, show. My guess is there, the show seems to be going in the direction of Tom being pushed to go his own way and breaking away from Shiv and the family. (laughs) His own way. Leavenworth. (laughs) Yes, that is his own direction. Maybe also somewhere else. But I think reintroducing this guy and the tension that he embodied originally about, you know, her having a relationship with him and all the things that implied or continued to progress into... This is another means that they can just further add to the tension and separation between the two of them. Well, if you go back and listen to our our previous season coverage of this, I've been I've been pretty consistent that I find that the interaction between these two fucking boring as all hell. And this does not disappoint. It's also I, boring. I did love Shiv's closing line there before uh, Kendall walks up. Of uh, oh, is Gil still is Gil still turning up on Russia Today by mistake? That one hits some notes right there of uh, certain people that have regularly guested on Russia, Russia Today. What what is that? Tell me about that. I don't I don't know that the, whole, any there, of that. There's an issue of certain members of certain parties, like say a Green Party candidate not that long ago, uh, of just wasn't it Jill Stein? Is that the one? Uh, be, being beholden to Russia and regularly appearing on Russia Today, and certain conspiracy theories that have developed as a result of that. So. Look, we can say the, the we can say the politician's name. Our fans know that we're not political, but I I, I do want to understand the reference. So it's it's Jill Stein who has shown up on that, right? There are others, yes, uh, in many countries in many different ways. Russia today is is often been a source of various politicians that seek to kind of undermine the political establishment or challenge it in a lot of ways in Western countries, providing them a means of financial support and regular appearances. So Jill okay. Stein is an so, example. Okay, so great, great. Topical reference there. Nice burn from Shiv, it's, which is on brand. Shiv is good at cutting. She's she's very good at that. Finally, Shiv shakes off Nate. Get the fuck out of here. He does. Hope to never come back. Shiv turns back to Kendall. Love the break. Love how the two actors did this. They stop. Body language changes. Voice changes. Hey. Hey. And then there, they just talk to each other. There's a hope of honesty in that moment right there. And I think there's a bit of an honest conversation between them, even if they don't really come to any kind of reconciliation here. What? 
What are you talking about? An honest conversation? Do you believe? You really think Shiv believes I, this horse shit that she's saying? I didn't mean her. I think I meant Kendall. Particularly okay. the Oof. ending. The ending line. She's just delivering straight PR speech, but it yes. leads to a remarkably a, a very honest comment from Kendall at the end. Yeah. Well, she says, "Look, we're worried you might come in." Well, he asked about that, and I love yeah. that Kendall always does this. He does always ask about Logan. How is he doing? And what the answer he wants. And I think I think Shiv knows what he's asking is how is he personally? How's my dad doing personally? And I, she says, Well, he's fine, he's worried you're gonna come in the office. I think Kendall's description of is he like an angry hog at the state fair rolling and shit, snapping at kids? Pretty on point. I think that's a pretty accurate summary of how Logan's been acting the last few episodes. He seems to know. Kendall's response to the worry about him coming in the office, let him worry. Shim the Shiv then PR pulls out the Rolodex of talking points from PR and goes on to deliver what happened to this character. I mean, I thought she was supposed to be like the liberal firebrand of this she fucking... She wants success. Wow, Everything else is just a means. Good God. She is just like... She's mini Logan. Logan light right that's here. What, that's what she thinks she is. She thinks that... I mean, it's very much a, it's very much a Cersei kind of situation. She thinks that she is very much her father embodied in a way that none of her siblings are. She says it would be smart, and it's in both of their interests for the family to come out on top with the shareholders. Eh, I think that's true. I, I haven't quite worked through that, but I do think there. I, I guess there would be nothing for Kendall to take over um, if Stewie and what's his nuts um, ended up succeeding. I guess in taking over the controlling shares of the company. I haven't really parsed mm-hmm. that one, but she seems to think it's it's easy for Sandy, both of them Sandy, to acknowledge sorry, that took Sandy, a second, yeah. yeah to acknowledge that they need to come out on top with the shareholders i'm not quite sure i see it that way but i still haven't parsed that perfectly kindle then attempts to apologize but he does not apologize life lessons with lee whoop let's pump the brakes in the podcast i want to make this point spencer if you're going to apologize somebody apologize what the fuck is wrong with these characters? Logan did it last episode. I don't eat shit. And Kendall does it this episode. Like he says, look, I, you know, I basically, I threw rocks at you. Yeah. And then he goes, yeah, so can we, you know, kind of move on? He never actually apologizes. It's frustrating. They, they learned apologizing from, they learned apologies from their dad and it shows they can only apologize in his particular way of where it's, it's an acknowledgement, but in no way an apology. And it's only a half-hearted acknowledgement of that. All right. So I I played a, a ding game with you not too long ago. You remember the ding game? I do remember the ding game. All right. Can you do the ding game for me? I'm going to read a quote, and I want you to ding every time you hear something that in your mind sounds either like, um, like, like a PR talking point Please. or just a straight-up fabrication. I'm here for it. Go on. All right. Here's Shiv. Look, I think we have the same aim here. Ding. Is the tr- is the truth big picture? I- I'm I'm fucking tired of all this shit too. Ding. And I'm pushing for change. Ding. Is there a world? Is there a world where you stop Ding. being gross and throwing stones, and we can acknowledge and rebuild? Ding. You know, truth and reconciliation. <laughs> ding 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 ding. Oh my God, she's so disingenuous it- in this. That was one sentence, right? That was one sentence or something, right? One fucking sentence. It's like <laughs> ten dings. She says maybe they can fix things from the inside because that's really the only place you can ever affect change, right? Oh, Spencer? God damn. Nobody's ever made, ever created change from the outside. Kendall looks at her. Wowza. I think this is where, This you know, is the honest moment. This is the honest this is moment when, that referencing. Yeah, but this is when the two of them, the, the fissure starts and it is a, it's a chasm by the end of the episode. 
And it is, he says, they made you get all dressed up for this? Shiv, or do you actually not give a fuck, or is it all just ego? Kendall, look at this. It's you now. Huh. I'm sorry for you, Siobhan. And that hits Shiv hard because she knows that Kendall has accurately read what she's doing, why she's there, and the current, I guess, facade or the character that she's taken on right now. And I think that really starts the fucking vitriol between the two of them. Weirdly enough, I don't think it's when last episode Kendall told Shiv, you know, the only value you have is because of your teats. I don't think that did it. I think this is the moment it really started. It's, It's indisputably true. It's like, I've already lived the life and gotten away from it that you are now voluntarily skipping towards. What the hell, Shiv? Cut to Roman with the interviewer. He's prepping him. Uh, Roman broaches the idea of the interviewee, interviewing, telling him the, the questions, right? Can you tell me mm-hmm. the questions? Because especially because the interviewer references, hey, I might ask you about some family stuff. And I love, this is such a Fox News fucking shit right here i'm so i mean i'm sorry but that that is exactly how some of these like opinion shows on fox news runs and i know that's not the only network that does it but that's the one that comes to mind for me because the interviewer says well you know journalistic standards is i shouldn't do that and then he proceeds to tell him every fucking question unbelievable well roman doesn't like any of the fucking questions no shocker. nothing he could say for any of them shocker so the guy kicks it back to Roman and says, all right, what about this? Why don't you tell me something? Roman says, well, I got a memory in the old Lankiola, some fly fishing in Montana. Roman walks out on him. I love, 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 love. This will come up later. I love that that's not even, that's a false memory. It's not even something he yeah. did. Fucking hilarious. Cut to Logan's place and we see Marsha. Marsha apparently has been a one long in the bunker meeting about her fucking trust and the amount of money in her bank account. That is still what she's on. Shiv asked him how he's doing. Oh, you know, love and marriage. Fill another million dollar drain with every cluck from the hen house. Logan takes Shiv to a private room, starts to close the doors. Logan asks Shiv if Kendall is coming in, meaning is he coming in the office? Shiv says, I don't think so. I think he gets it. Spencer, is that what you took from that fucking interaction with the two of them? Where, where is Shiv getting this? I don't really... Shiv has several times had this conversation with the people of her. Can we just be honest for a second? It seems like almost like it's her default way of ever starting a conversation. And I don't know what she expects out of her dad when it comes to this, because I don't think he's capable of ever giving her what she either wants or at least claims to want here. It's just weird. Like I know I didn't take that interaction between her and, and Kendall to mean that Kendall wasn't coming in the office. Like I don't know what like it, it seems like a I, no, dishonest I, thing. Yeah, just on the thing she's telling him. Yeah. Sorry, I misunderstood what you were saying. But yeah, when it comes to when it comes to Kendall, is that just purely ego? Is that just purely just I, I told him it wasn't a good idea and he'll listen to me because I'm right. That or maybe just like wanting to save face because she did tell Logan I'll handle that and like coming back and saying yeah I did go meet him and I still have no fucking idea wouldn't be a great answer. So I guess she just went with one. It was it was just strange. Shiv then asks, um, or well, then Logan pushes her about not being out there and saying nice things about him. And Shiv says, what, what exactly do you want me to say? She says, well, you know, nice things. Like, say my dad's not a monster. The truth, perhaps? Logan asks Shiv if she trusts him. Shiv says, look, can we talk? This is what you're talking about. Where She says, look, can we, can we be honest here? How bad is it? What is the worst thing? Logan, health, uh, safety, uh, compliance, a few, a few bad apples. Shiv says she knows that is not true. She knows there was black ops and targeted intimidation. She knows through Tom, if nothing else, based on what Tom has told her. Logan backs up a little bit. Shiv starts to chastise him before Logan says, Look, I'm trying to protect you, which is fucking hilarious. 
because it's just hands on the table. I completely lied 20 seconds ago when I said we could be honest. Is, we can't be is honest, obviously. Any, anything that we hear from Logan in this conversation true? Yes, this next thing. Shiv says, what, you didn't get any emails? And he says, do you know how many emails I get in a day? I don't read my emails. I get the I, action points. That I, is true. I, I, I hoped you'd point that one out, because, yeah, that one's 100% true, and even Shiv just goes, hey, oh, yeah, that one's true. I kind of wonder if that's how it works with these CEOs. I mean, I know the CEO of the company I work for, which is a pretty large company, does read his emails. But I wonder if, like, when you get to that level, like, did, like does Tim Cook read his fucking emails? I, he probably... Yeah, that's a fun question. I wonder whether they practically have the time. They probably just have so many levels of interaction with the actual world in between them and the world just because they don't have the time to manage them all. I know Steve Jobs used to get like online at like like 10 o'clock at night and would answer like the, the random questions that were just being sent to like, at, you know, support at apple.com. <laughs> hey, I don't per- think Tim Kick does that. Hey, the president of the United States was tweeting from his toilet at all hours of the night, but not that long ago. So who knows in this particular world? Shiv. Uh, Logan says, Shiv, the world is fucking rough. We ran a cruise line out of some tin pot ports registered in bongo fucking bongo hovels, and we poured millions in. And sure, did we play rough with the odd fucking union boss or some moaning mini repeat litigate? I don't know. It's a quarter century ago. A lot of it. So yes, I fought for you and your brother's bullshit. But you will not find a piece of paper that makes you ashamed of me. Ah! Ah! I don't know, Spencer. My 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 truth radar determined that might be a lie. Well, we will not find said, a piece of paper that will make you ashamed of me. The fact you said piece of paper, I thought was a telling kind of reference right there of where, ooh, this guy thinks all the documents are gone. This guy thinks all of them were burned. I don't know if I believe that. Shiv, I don't think, believes it either. She points out that the government has leverage. It has the law. Logan, here we go. Spencer, this one had to hit you right. This had to make you fucking ready to spit angry, I would think. Logan says the law is politics, and politics is people, and we can handle people. I actually found that line really powerful because it really does embody Logan's mindset for where power lies. I just thought it would, like, morally piss you off. Oh, I've given up on morals when it comes to this show, sir. Come on. How else can you enjoy it unless you can accept the morals just out the window? But you're right. That is how Logan thinks about it for sure. Um, cut to Kendall at some sort of party. The guy is pushing Greg to buy the watch. 40 k for the watch. Spencer, if I gave you $10 billion, would you pay 40 k for a watch? God fucking no. Dear Christ, no. I would happily just buy another Fitbit and I would just be content with myself. Yeah, I'll tell you this. If, if I gave Spencer $10 billion tomorrow, I can promise you in 30 years he'd have at least $10 billion. If, if, if in 30 years I only had $10 billion, I clearly am acting out of character. Thank you, sir. And Greg, Greg yeah, good. Spencer does not spend principal, okay? We don't spend principal around here in the Spencer house. And Greg says Kendall's buying it for him. The guy says, hey, Kendall, you buy, you buy this watch for him? Kendall blows him off. I'm not buying him a fucking watch. He makes that joke with Naomi I referenced earlier. Ah. Uh, Bad, it's a it's a bad look on multiple levels for my guy Kendall. First off, it's just a mean thing to do, because like it's obvious that Greg expects it, and yeah. it's obvious that like this is going to embarrass him, and he just like flippantly just dismisses him. It's just like a, as a one as a personal thing. I mean, this is one of his relatives, and you know, like they have some level of a connection or friendship or something. It's just a rude, mean thing to do. Like and do- before you even get to the strategic part. Let's do relative cash value here. To Kendall, what is forty thousand bucks to us? Hundred? 
Absolutely. Do. As cheap as you are, you would do that. You would absolutely do that. It's, it's just a stupid thing. I don't know. I, and it, it just seemed like it was obvious that Greg was like with these people. Yes. Like he was with a woman that he has been chatting up for two episodes now. And it just embarrassed him. It was what? obvious. To the point that Greg even says, I'll buy the fucking watch, which God knows how much that did. He might have to dip into a credit card to do that. Oh, man. Yeah. No, no, no way possible he's just drawing from a bank account. I can't believe that he has that money, that he has that money laying on hand. So it, it, as you said, Kendall is socially inept, and he's not good with other people and doesn't read other people well. It's something we've talked about before with him. But in this moment, just letting Greg out to dry, not just with the money, but with the social circle you've drawed, drawn him into, it's a really rough, stupid moment when it comes to Kendall right here. And it's one that may seriously cost him going forward. Uh, Greg then waffles and eventually says, all right, yeah, I'll buy it. Kendall then announces that someone named Sophia Wobey did him that evening. We find out this is a late night comedy talk show host who is doing segments just trashing Kendall. I think this is a Samantha B knockoff. This is a Samantha B daily show kind of situation. Maybe a little bit of talk soup kind of all thrown in there together. Uh, I think the, I think the woman that actually does this has her own similar kind of show for this that they kind of molded it after. The I don't actors. know. I found, I found it to be cringy and awful. The show? Um, yeah, the, terrible. The show or the scene? Because the scene's rough, too. Just, you well, know, the show. I thought her, her jokes were stupid, and I thought it was em emblematic of what I don't like about that medium. Like, yeah. I'm not a big fan. Like, I, I'm not I'm not trying to, like, like trash somebody, like, personally. And I, if it's, if you like this show, that's great. I'll, I, you know, keep finding utility in it. I'm just saying my opinion. I find the Samantha B show to be, like, just too vitriolic. I mean, it is really cutting, and it's like she puts people in her sights every single episode and attacks them, and that seems to be what they are doing a knockoff of here, uh, and, and kind of shining the light on with the Sophia Wobie character, which, look, is Kendall perfect? No, of course not. Like, But she seems to like want to personally take him down, and I cannot figure out why. Well, it's part of the same reason I also don't particularly enjoy watching insult comics, just because I start to feel bad for the targets. It's like, I, I get that some people view this as just a fundamental baseline of humor and they enjoy roasts and whatever else. It's just not my kind of humor. I don't really particularly enjoy it. I, but my well, my deep-seated, hidden level of empathy just starts to come out when I see people just being constantly torn down and abused, even if by all empirical understanding they deserve it. And, yeah, this is a really awkward scene, the fact that Kendall just puts it on in the room. Dear God, find a better form of entertainment, dude. But... Just the material itself also just comes across as just being cruel in a way that I suppose Kindle deserves or merits, but still just doesn't doesn't sit with me well. I think they're just shining a light on like the very worst of the Samantha Bees that are out there, like the like the worst parts of their show, which is that they do get a little bit too personal and vitriolic. And like, I'm not saying that like mo like I have some sort of like moral superiority to tell her not to do that. I'm saying it's not entertaining. It's not interesting mm -hmm. to me. Uh, this lady does destroy him, though. She even uses his Good testimony God. in front of Congress not all that long ago against him. I wondered when this was going to come up because we did get in, what was it, episode nine? Kendall was like the hero for blasting Gil. 
and taking up for his father in, in Congress. And this really was not that long ago. So it, it, it is good that that's brought back up because you knew that was going to happen. Kendall and Naomi are laughing about this, but Kendall's PR person immediately starts to push back. I think she recognizes that these hits are going to land out there in the oh, yeah. internet ether. Kendall says he thinks he should go on. This being in the conversation, this is great. What do you think about Kendall's impulse to want to go on the show? I'm with his PR team. That sounds like a horrible idea that we should work diligently to prevent you from doing. Well, but counterpoint, John Stewart trashed Bill O'Reilly for years. And Bill O'Reilly decided to start going on John Stewart's show. Now, did the two of them ever agree about fucking politics? Of course they didn't. But I will tell you this, I had a better opinion of Bill O'Reilly at the end of that than I did at the beginning. Not saying I love yes, the guy. I am saying I am saying that that was good for him. And I'm not saying it wouldn't be a good idea for another person. Bill O'Reilly can pull that <laughs> off. This is Kindle yes. we're talking about. That's a good Kindle. That's a great, Ro great. Roman could pull yeah, this off. Connor right. could pull this off. Shiv could pull this off. Kindle cannot pull this off. You're 100 percent right. Yep. I, I yep. I, I have no counterpoint, Spencer. I'm on the ground. <laughs> Ten count. You knocked me out. That is true. He is not going to be able to pull it off. It is. It's a good. I think it's a good impulse. I think he's seen it happen out there. He knows what's supposed to happen. He's just not capable of executing yeah, it. Like like the big book of strategies, this would be one of the good ideas about you know, counter-hitting. Go onto their own program, talk with them directly, address their concerns in a medium by which it would be awkward for them to attack you any more directly and make you appear more human just from your presence. But point number two, however, assess whether the tar whether, your, whether your client is physically or mentally or socially capable of pulling this off. You want to know who's the best at this? Who? I've ever seen of this, like, this this particular talk show host person is making fun of me i'm gonna go on their show and charm them is yeah. chris christie oh yeah chris christie he is the best i've ever play. seen i honestly think stephen colbert likes him i think they're bros now i think they like text and stuff like he is really good <laughs> he's really good at that that's an example of it right but you are 100 percent right great point he can't well, do it bill o'reilly was a great example back in the day because he, he came across as he was appearing human and appearing friendly with a whole new demographic that otherwise never would have seen him and established a rapport and banter with John Stewart where it seemed like he actually enjoyed to keep bringing him back on while still lambasting him when he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It did. They, they seem to have a, they seem charmed by each other, even though yes. they obviously didn't agree. Cut to Shiv getting home. Tom greets her. Shiv, hey! I love that everybody calls her Shivy. Tom mentions that she uh, left her part. Tom mentions you, le you left your pantyhose around. All right. And Mondale, our dog, ate it, and I had to pull it out of his butt. Uh-huh. What, what does he actually... Man, I'm, I'm sure this actually did happen. But it seems like it's also a little bit representative of how Tom views his role in their relationship and also yes. his job. Here's the thing. The, the complaints that Tom has given Shiv about, you don't pay attention to me, I'm not happy with you, I'm not valued. When he explains that he had to do this... Wouldn't you think that would be a golden moment for Shiv to say to sit down with him and say, I'm so sorry, I won't do that again. Tell me about it. Like all she does is go, Oh, that's awful. Anyway, back to me. It, it barely even merits a note. Shiv apologizes, uh, but doesn't seem to beat up about it. Tom asks if Kendall is coming in and Shiv seems to give a more confident answer. Uh, then she should yet again she seems to think she has a read on kindle she does not <laughs> tom not. then summarizes the meeting he had that even says he outlined quote what might have happened to a theoretical john doe and was told quote it's very difficult to see a world in which this john doe doesn't go to jail it is clear to me that tom trusts this person's opinion whoever told him this he thinks they're right 
I agree. Shiv, right. Uh, fuck. Shiv says, it'll be okay, Tom. And what evidence do you have for that? <laughs> I enjoyed curious. that line. Tom then says he has one dumb idea. Maybe it'd be good to get out in front of it. Like if uh, if prison it is likely, um, you know, to find any benefit of that, you know, getting out in front of it. Tom then pitches the idea of going to Logan directly and offering himself up as a beating post, basically saying he'll fall on a sword and take jail time. Woof. Duh. Question for you, Spencer. Let's assume at this point in the episode, Tom is being genuine. Now we, we can argue I, if he's being I, genuine. I don't in think sense. he is, but yeah, let's I assume for right now. Let's assume, just for the sake of conversation. Do you think it's do you think it's a good play? If he's being genuine, and if he, when he if and I think it's very fair to say there is a serious risk of prison time, he dealt. I think he kind of has to ponder the extreme options because doing nothing just does nothing to affect what you, you going to jail and having no benefit from it. You either go all in helping Waystar or you go all in helping the government or you just try to fucking run now. I, he's I think you have to start planning for a life after this. And I think this is actually probably would have been a smart move. I mean, picture what his ultimate punishment would be. I mean, I think Shiv even says at one point, a few years possibly in prison or less than a year, I think is one thing he says. With this kind of level of white car collar crime, with his level of influence, with his level of backing, that's possible. And if Logan gives you, you know, a nice 10, 20, 100, whatever million dollar kind of payout at the end for the sake of your services to the company, how much would you be willing to go to prison for for that kind of payout? Oof, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so I think, it, I, you know, in when I heard this, I thought, hmm, could be a good idea. But, of course, we get more and on that later. Shiv says the same thing. Yeah, she says, uh, yeah, you know what? I don't like that. You're drunk. But it's smart. Yeah, it's kind of a win from a no win. I'm going to steal that line again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's punch. I mean, it's very likely that no one goes to prison. And either way, you bank gold with my dad. The offer is kind of genius. Tom says he might be able to be done in less than a year. Chip bemoans that everyone is doing, quote, fucking somersaults for him right now, meaning Logan. And Anything more on that scene? Well, I love the actor plays... Every, every actor in the show is excellent. But the actor who plays Tom is particularly good. And I love, I love the process of his reactions on his face once he says this. Because he starts doing this conversation as if he really means it, as if he's really his idea. And he seems like he's, again, testing Shiv. This is my interpretation of the scene. He's laying out a scenario by which he can sacrifice himself, that, he, that she can throw him to the dogs, and seeing whether she jumps on it seeing whether she does anything to defend him, because he's done this before. And when she just seizes on this being a great idea about him being sacrificed, but him going to jail, and just, just smiles at the idea while just kind of, oh, no, Tom, we wouldn't ask you to. No, 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 but it's a wonderful idea, great idea. He says all this, he smiles, and then when she looks away, his face just falls, and we get a very different calculating kind of expression on his face of, I learned something right now. Now I know. It's that's my uh, interpretation Matthew McFadden. Thank you. Matthew great, McFadden, and I agree, he, is, he hacks it extremely, extremely well. So then we move on to, where are we at? Cut uh, to Kendall in the morning, and he's watching Sophia Wobie again, and Kendall calls Jess and says he's going into the office. What? That was my Jess impression. And he says, that was a, f he, but she, she questions him, right? I think she says something along the lines like, like you weren't going to do this. Here is our fucking pretentious line of the episode from, from a man, Kendall. That was a false thought. 
I've never heard something that level of pretentious. <laughs> that, that is a special way of phrasing that particular. Well thought. It's a false thought, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Don't, anytime, anytime I'm like, hey, Spencer, let's do the pod at eight, and then I don't show up to the Zoom, and you're like, what? I'm going to be like, dude, I, it was a false thought. It was thought. a false thought, get, man. Get it in your head, Spencer. What, what, <laughs> quick question. Why yeah. is Kendall doing this? Is it purely um, just to show that he can, to be disruptive, to wave the flag around the way he's been saying he wants to do? I think that he is he's falling in love with the press. Uh-huh. Fair. And he wants to make a splash. He wants to do something that will get in get on get on the talk shows and will get him keep some him positive, in the narrative. Give keep him in the narrative and give him some positive run. And I think he thinks going in an embarrassing way start will do that. He might be right about that. We'll see I, the fallout next episode. You may, you may have more of a plan than I thought he did. Uh, looking at this at the start. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I thought you know what? That's a great point because I thought he was flying by the seat of his pants here, and it does seem like he had a plan when he went in there. Which is, which is kind of interesting. Indeed. Kendall's going in the office, ladies and gentlemen. Is that Kendall Roy's music? Cut to Tom talking to Logan as Logan watches an interview with a White House official. It's happening Michelle presumably on, on an eight. Yeah, Michelle Ann. I think it's the same character that Jerry called previously, Indeed. right? And it's some talking head show on ATN. Gets done. Um, oh, before he gets done, Tom comes up. Great scene here. Tom comes up and says, quote, I've been thinking about it, what it is you might really need right now and how I can help. If things go, how they could go. Maybe there's no repercussions. But if not, there will probably be a cash number and there will probably need to be a face or two behind bars. Logan goes, what's your angle? Like, Logan is thinking here, this fucker Logan's- is coming up to me and pitching something. Yeah, lo- I-, I like that Logan's immediately curious. He's surprised, but he, he's open to immediately exploring what this guy's about What's to suggest. What's your angle, Tom? I just want, he, Tom said, no angle. Don't have one. Just want you to know, if you need to strategize, I can be that guy. I'll step up and go down. Logan looks at him. That's it? You don't want anything? Tom, no, it's just that. If you need it, I won't. Tom has to be weird. He cannot be not weird in a conversation. <laughs> I won't wriggle. Just clock the trout on the head and put it in your pouch. Logan understands what he means. As weird as that statement was, Logan's it won't come to that. But thank you, Tom. Thank you. Logan does seem to really like this move. Do you think that? Do you think that Tom actually won what got one over here on Logan? Well, it's a question again of what whether we think Tom is being sincere about this, but he's honestly just willing to sacrifice for the sake of his long-term benefit, or whether it's a test. But when it comes to Logan, I think he actually seems. I think his comment of "thank you, Tom" has come across as almost more sincere than we've ever heard Logan say that. He, he seems either maybe not impressed, but at least appreciative that this is now an option that he didn't previously think he had. They've come Tom, a long though, way from thanks for the chicken, Logan. It, Tom, though, gets the exact same expression on his face that he did with a shiv and walks out of the room and pulls up someone on a business card and makes a call. Thanks for the chicken, Logan. Come a long way from that. Tom leaves, goes into a room, as you pointed out, calls someone. It looks like it's a law firm. Tom's calling to set up a cult consultation with a lawyer yeah. named Rex Hendon. Do we know this person? No. I didn't think we did, yeah. But we don't... I don't think we've heard the name before. But I, they did give us the name, so I'm here. I'm thinking we'll get it again. It seems to be outside counsel at a minimum, though, which he was previously attacking Greg for. So yeah. I, Tom's got moves right now. <laughs> And you think that's a smart move, right? You think him him getting some outside counsel, you know, somebody to represent him away from the company is a smart idea? 
I very much do when it's you that's possibly facing criminal charges and the company itself has its own conflict of interest about using you as a scapegoat. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Okay. Tom gets another call during this, tells Greg to talk fast. I have something that you guys might want to know. So Greg, ratting out Kendall. That he He's coming in. Him. Yeah, I think I missed that the uh, a little little couple sentences that when Kendall uh, called Jess and told her he was coming in the office, he also did call Greg and say, "Hey, man, I'm, I might need some backup here in it's the true. office or whatever." So he does let Greg know. So Greg is now letting Tom know, and that's how the whole crew knows that our boy Kendall is going in the office. This lady who uh, yeah, Michelle Ann, who's from the White House, comments on how Logan wouldn't take a service of a subpoena. This is the two of them. Um, together basically logan comes up to her after she's done with her interview and says hey let's talk which and she right jerry, away wants to comment about how he wouldn't take a subpoena would you agree that jerry if she was present or knew about this would do everything possible to stop this conversation from happening yeah and that's why jerry's not there i think logan Absolutely. knows that jerry would stop it i think i think logan knows that pretty much everybody in his orbit would try to stop it so he kind of does this on his own and it shocks michelle and that he's down there like in a in a, in, in a studio show like that it's clear he's never down, you know, in that sort of area. It's a strange thing for him to be doing. It's a very inappropriate conversation that he's having. Even having the conversation is wildly inappropriate. I mean, just think about you as like a taxpayer or a voter. Mm-hmm. I mean, how fucking outraged would you be that like someone who has like a political appointee position advising the president would be meeting with somebody who is under, you know, this kind of very serious investigation from your justice department it's I mean, a very inappropriate thing to happen i mean hell if i was michelle ann i would desperately not want this to be seen or known about or have anything associated with it just because of how much it would look bad on me and my entire administration just to have the idea that this conversation occurred much less what he's actually asking her yeah but the first thing she wants to talk about is how logan would not take service of a subpoena Logan, quote, my son stands up and waves his dick in the air and the rest of the world is supposed to rearrange the world to his liking. I don't think so. It's funny to me that Logan just talks like that to every fucking body. Like, yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. Logan is Logan. He's talking to his lady this way. He's unbelievable. That's not what she's after, though. She pushes him on cooperating. Logan calls it a witch hunt. Says the prosecutors will regret the time they spent on it. Spencer, do you think the prosecutors will regret the time they spend on this? No, I think they'll make careers on this, sir. I don't think that anybody's going to regret it. No, I don't believe it. Maybe Logan, but not the prosecutors. Logan asks what the old man thinks, and she jokes, oh, not too fucking much. Ha, ha, ha. They give all about how he's stupid. She says he has poll numbers. He's most interested in that right now. Someone shits in Wisconsin. He's worried to float down the Mississippi and hurt his numbers in Iowa. I just feel like they're writing this as Trump, right? <laughs> I mean, I look. I'm, I'm look. If you like Trump, great. Please continue to listen to podcasts. I'm not trying to alienate you. I'm just saying I think that they are writing this as a Trump character, someone who not super interested in the day to day or the details. They laugh about that. Uh, it's kind of a known thing. And what is he obsessing about? His poll numbers. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> yep, that's pretty much it. Logan tells her to relax. We got his back. Ugh. She says, that's great, but when this thing broke, the whole thing was, Logan Roy is going down. But then you got this thing where some folks are saying there's no way Logan Roy is going down. The president's going to protect him. The system is broken. That troubles Michelle Ann. That narrative. Clearly. And she's wise to be If he gets out, it will be because the president did it. Yeah. Which makes Logan's problem our problem. Logan then says the only thing he can say, which is, look, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. The fact is, I don't want anything from anybody. That's not the way I operate. But... (laughs) 
I would like to know no one is going to shit their pants if I hang tough. Meaning, I don't want to cooperate, basically. And I don't want anybody getting in my face about it. Mm -hmm. She points out the relationship Logan has with the president and all the evidence of them out there. You know, them at CPAC, them at, like, golfing trips, etc., etc. Again, this is why I think it's a Trump-like character, right? Because think about how many of these sort of shady characters that, that Trump had pictures of out there, you know, in the ether doing things socially with before he got into politics. Again, I think they're writing it that way. Logan, if the raisin hangs me out to dry, I'm quite willing to do the same to him. Wow. Okay. Two things. One, he calls... The president, a raisin to Michelle Ann, I think that's a derogatory term. Two, he's openly threatening the president of the United States. This guy, this seems Nuts. off even, I don't know if it's, it's not off, I think it's in character, but I think it just shows how much at the end of his rope Logan is, that he's being yeah. this obvious about his intentions and motivations. Usually he's he desperate. either has, you, usually he either has greater subtlety or he uses somebody else for this purpose and stays removed from it himself. Yeah, as you said, it's desperation I think we're seeing here. Yeah, he felt this felt desperate to me. But she makes the point that the president hasn't really liked the coverage that much lately. Again, a Trump parallel. Because think about how Trump kind of broke with Fox News there for a little while during his presidency. One America. Yeah, that uh, maybe it was not very helpful. Um, and then Logan bellows, it could get a lot fucking worse. She says they have the same interest here. If you can lower the temperature, I'll see what I can do. Again, super inappropriate conversation. I had the feeling the entire time this was happening that Logan should have been advised not to do it um if he wasn't he might he might have been and that this entire sequence was going to come back to bite him in the ass i did not think it would happen so fucking fast it happens yeah. in 15 minutes 15 think, minutes of screen time and i think jerry reads it perfectly in a later scene of where the moment that came out that you talked with her the justice department freaked the hell out that something was actually agreed to freaked the yeah. hell out the conversation merely occurred in fact we have to act now because who knows what backroom deal maybe maybe just tried to happen yeah, like he might get some sort of fucking pardon that would blunt this whole thing, and we have to we have to move to 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 get this get this investigation up and running, hopefully to to try to blunt that from occurring. Cut to Hugo and Carolina. I'll tell you this about Hugo and Carolina: entire episode, professionals doing their jobs. Absolutely, somebody has to. Telling Shiv about the questions they received anonymously that they're considering for the town hall. I love this. I just love it. Does your does your firm? Uh, you we've, we've talked before in the pods about how you're you're a lawyer. Does your firm do like the anonymous questions directly to the boss, the open line thing? Oh yeah, they do, and uh, some of those get through to the boss. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I know it's funny. Like we, I I honestly think that my company answers them, but I think that I work for an abnormally good company. But I think most companies like they get shit like this and they do exactly what happens what? here, which is basically Roman and Shiv say, fuck these things. I don't like them. And Carolina and Hugo go, well, I've got questions that I really think they probably want answered, i.e. we made them up. Yeah, these are, these are the questions that embody what they're feeling. You know, the, the questions that just represent everyone rather than what they literally asked. Yeah, fucking hilarious. Cuts Kendall in a car and Lisa is calling Kendall. Not happy with him for going in. Kendall, it was established in the first episode that Lisa's probably the smartest person that anybody's dealing with here. She mm -hmm. has your best interest in heart, meaning, i.e., something you called very, very astutely. She is here to keep you out of jail. I think, I'm Team Kendall, I think the very first thing he should be doing before he gets up in the morning and chooses his breakfast is ask Lisa Ann, should it be eggs or cereal? Like, fucking Lisa Ann should be guiding every move he's doing, and the fact that he oh, did yeah. not read her in on this 
was a very, very stupid thing. And the fact that he didn't seem to be willing to listen to her in this conversation at all. Right. He talked over her and just basically hung up on her. I mean, you, we, we, we've talked before about your love of the show West Wing. Do you remember yeah. when um, President Bartlett was meeting with the White House counsel? I think it was um, uh, Oliver. And yeah, he basically advised him, the only way I'm agreeing to stay is if you listen to everything I tell you and you do what I tell you and I control your defense. Otherwise, I leave and I'm not going to do it. And Bartlett tries to kind of tap dance out of it and agrees like, nope, that doesn't work, Mr. President. You have to agree here. Yep. That's the kind of yep. situation Lisa's trying to face and she can't get Kendall to understand. God, it's unbelievable that Kendall is not taking her more seriously and taking... He seems to like he goes right to immunity. I think he has it in his mind that he's going to get some sort of sweetheart immunity deal, and that because he's I, willing to flip on his father, he, his criminal liability is completely out the window. And I don't know that I believe that's happening. I don't. I mean, I, I think Kendall's being foolish to think the government even necessarily think. I think Kendall thinks that he's the linchpin, and the government can't function without him when it comes to the investigation or whatever else. And I don't think he's right, <laughs> and I think he's being almost willfully blind on this subject if he thinks that uh, immunity is inevitable for him when it comes to this cut to logan's office and logan says he's going to jam a monta black down fucking kindle's throat if he walks in the door logan then bellows that kindle was fired but jerry tells him basically nope that's a non-starter mm -hmm. shiv agrees logan i don't want people seeing him keep him the fuck out down to the lobby kindle's card doesn't work Kendall refuses to go to the satellite office and then says he's going to jump the barricade. Finally, Carolina steps in and says, look, I'm authorizing him to go in. She wants to avoid a scene at all cost. Cut to Logan. Jerry is asking a lawyer they have on the phone if they can keep him out of the town hall. The lawyer says, well, you can discourage him from attending based on his current situation. I eat. No, you can't stop yeah. him. Roman, can we discourage him with a taser shot directly to his peni or scrummage sacking? Uh, we, don't hear the, we don't hear the attorney's response, but I'm guessing he advised against it. Uh, I, I bet he didn't even answer it. Logan then uh, says they should bring him up in a dumb waiter, like a fucking hamburger. Logan then commands to make sure Kendall doesn't get cute with IT. That's kind of smart. Make sure he doesn't like fucking start copying all our files and our papers and stuff. Uh -huh. and in essence, basically what he's saying is lock him out of his computer, which happens later. Kendall walks in. Tom walks up to him and greets him. We have a very awkward conversation between Kendall and Tom. Tom, do you, uh, Kendall says, uh, what's going on in dad's office? Does he have any back channel White House contacts? Beat, beat, Tom. Ha ha. Do you have an immunity deal with DOJ? So they ha -ha. still did. Kendall then kind of tries to break the veneer here of this conversation and says, you're actually in a tough fucking spot. It's not fun being the last eunuch in a forbidden city. I like you. Another life is possible, brother. I, I agree that I think another life is possible for Tom. I'm not sure Kendall's the one to give it to him. Uh, I don't know if he's the one to give it to him, but I think it's an option Tom's going to seriously consider. You think he if might flip to Kendall's side? Uh, I'm biased by a poster that was advertised for this season that shows each all the characters walking that, yeah. up to... But you saw that Tom was on Kendall's side walking behind Kendall. With Greg, so, too, yeah. I, I think Tom's going to make a shift away from Shiv and away from Logan. And, yeah, I think it's at least possible that among the options he's considering, Kendall's got to rank high just because it's an established camp of nothing else. I think there's a reason they showed that when Kendall walked in the office, the only person to go up and talk to him was Tom. And, hey, we also see throughout this episode, Tom, actually pretty good with the marketing and the people. Yeah. Roman is given a play-by-play -play of what's going on. They're basically just watching Kendall's every move. Shiv asked them not to turn it into the invasion of Normandy. 
Kendall gets to his office and is which, locked out of his computer. Which is an interesting reference because in, under that, you know, kind of parallel, they're the Nazis. But sure, yeah, that's more accurate maybe than Shiv and Tense. I mean, well, I mean, Shiv's, the, the picture of her father that comes up on her phone is fucking is Saddam Hussein. Saying. So I don't Fair think that's point. much of a reach for her, yeah. Kendall then notices it's really cold in his office. I guess they're trying to literally freeze him out. I think Kendall's probably right here. That sounds like something Logan would do. Hey, mm-hmm. make it, you know, make it fucking cold in his office. Kendall then tells Remy he's dropping him a shopping list. Mark that for later. The security guard comes up and looks at Kendall, walks up to him and says, aggro is all get out. 12 out of 12 aggro. I know you. Do you recognize this man? Casuals may not know what this is about. This is the guy who helped clean up the Chappaquiddick thing. This is the body man. He very much, he knows everything that happened with with Kendall and the dead girl in the Chappaquiddick episode at the end of season one. And he, I'm not sure if he's out on a limb here. I'm not sure if he's doing this on his own or if he's, he's worked with Logan on this. But that was a real threat. And that was one of the only times... I have seen Kendall blown back and look a little bit scared. We, we, send, we see Kendall fully concussed and without words a couple times this episode. This is the first one, and it's directly driven by an individual. But if, if, anyone, if there is anyone in this show or any character in the show that I desperately want to tell all book from, think of the stories Colin could tell as being Logan Roy's enforcer for possibly years. Absolutely. I, that would be a hell of an interesting read. He certainly seems like he is not fucking happy uh, with Kendall, though, and what Kendall's been doing. Cut to Shiv heading to the town hall. Here we go, Spencer. We can talk about it. Your favorite. Tell me. Top three. Woo! Talk about you know, being one of the best scenes in the show, but for you, for your favorite scenes, is this one of your top three moments? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think you've got I think you've got the, the craziness that was Tom's bachelor party. I will not let go of the fact that that was brilliant cinema. It was the peak of our modern cinematic abilities as humans mm-hmm. that episode i think you gotta i think you have to put what happened with uh with kindle at the end of season two sure when he when he finally flipped when you had that super okay. dramatic press conference when he cut a promo as it were in the wrestling world i think you got this yeah those are my top three probably wow this fucking town hall is incredible hugo is walking shift to the town hall ship apparently is going to lead this fucking thing. And he goes on to congratulate him. I love what the show did here as he's congratulating Shiv, The show even phased out what he was saying. Cause it's just <laughs> so meaningless cut out of it. <laughs> just such platitudes. Shiv then gets introduced to the town hall. She starts out with the company line. She says, she actually says the, we get it line. Hey, Jerry thought it was a good idea. And, you know, it, it is a question of framing, and I think she does sell it pretty well. She says it the right way. I think, honestly, Shiv's speech, though it's mostly pretty safe corporate, goes over pretty well, and she does it pretty well. Until things happen. She, The fact that she hits the I get it line, it just, it, it would, cause because they're putting the I get it out there in posters and, and stuff, if I was listening to that, I would be like, wow, that is not, that's not someone talking from the heart uh, at all. But here it is. This is what I've been wanting to talk about. We rape me, rape me, my friend. So, what has happened here is Shiv is up talking, and there are b- and very large. 
And it's going, going well. It's going, it's going well. well. The audience seems to be going well with it. She's delivering the speech well. I'm sure it's going to read well on type. This is a wonderful first exposure to the world as president of this company kind of moment for Shiv. And there are now Bluetooth, large Bluetooth speakers. A lot of them. And large Bluetooth speakers, if you don't control the the remote, if you don't have the phone or whatever it is that's controlling these, you can't just turn, you, you literally have to go like press a button on them or break them yeah, to turn them you have off. To go, you have to go Gallagher on them if you don't have the, if you don't have the means available. So there's like nothing they can really do because they're placed all over the place in this town hall. And the town hall happens to be this big open air area where you're going to get a lot of like, you're going to get a lot of like echo, right? Like, so everyone can hear this and Rape Me by Nirvana starts playing. Shiv tries to talk through it. It gets louder and louder. And go ahead. It, and I just want to note, it's a great song. I've loved this song for years. It just is it's a great, wonderful beat to it. I will not be able to think of it the same way after this scene though no i will say that that nirvana it, it is it is notoriously difficult to get the rights to do nirvana music in any media they don't they just don't let you do it so i, I think dave Grohl must have just been like a succession fan or maybe they had so much money that they just were able to do it. i mean you will not like go, just watch television you will not see nirvana songs in anything it's it's wild to me that they were able to get this, and it it is interesting, Perfect. right? Because a lot of people are now going to associate this song with the show, but they they cut it perfectly. Which is, if you like the song, it's about a two and a half minute song. They really start it not at the beginning of the song; they start it's it about well two thirds of the way through because they build up to quickly getting to the where Cobain right at the end screams, "Rape me, rape me, rape me, rape!" over and over and yeah. over again. Shiv is trying to talk through it, but when that part hits, she's standing up in front of Waystar with all of the with the problems that we know that this company has, and she is trying to gloss over it in pursuit of her own power. And rape me, rape me, rape me, rape me, rape me is screaming over and over again. It's finally too much. And Shiv, professional that she is, breaks, angry, storms off. I think she screams fucking something at Hugo as she storms off. She goes to Kendall's office and she looks like she's on the brink of tears. She looks like she's on the brink of tears because she sees all the speaker boxes. She looks really upset. Oh, yeah. I can't blame her. Maybe as upset as I've ever seen. I mean, she has to be like embarrassed and like, oh, God, this is her first time in front of the Waystar employees as president. And this happens. I mean, she was she was collateral damage. I don't think Kendall was purposely doing this to hurt her. I think he was doing it to embarrass the company and generate that kind of media frenzy that this, of course, would have as a result. But in terms of just cruel things siblings have done to each other on this show. This one ranks high because this was her moment of glory. This is what she spent years kind of striving towards. I can only imagine how much Shiv practiced to make this perfect. And now it's been forever tarnished by what her brother did. Yes. I will say that probably from Kendall's perspective, he would think the fact that she's getting so up for this is a problem right it's like shiv you've obviously compromised your morals in every fucking way in the pursuit of like more power and like the fact you're right she has collateral damage i don't think that kendo cares that much because i think he thinks that she's doing an amoral thing but she is 
really upset, probably as upset as we've ever seen her. And we have seen her husband broach the subject of divorce. And this Mm -hmm. is probably more, she's more upset over this. She walks in, she picks up a notebook that Kendall has, she spits in it. Probably his date minder or something like that. Yeah, she spits right in it. And she walks to Logan's office. Possibly line of the episode here. Sorry, Pinky. Now do you see it? Yeah, that was a, that was a very powerful line coming to think of it. Yeah, that is a, that's a big one. Cut to Kendall getting to Sophie's show. Backstage, Kendall's asking what time it is. And Greg says it's the 18th century when watches don't work. Shocker. $40,000 $40, watch, Spencer. It does not work. Uh do you think it actually is broken, or do you think he just doesn't understand that, you know, quality watches occasionally need to be wound? Well, that's what the the, the woman he's been trying to... I think Greg... By the way, can we just go on a tangent here? I think Greg's working it with this PR woman. I think he is. I think we've seen She's him She's, like, that. next to him a lot and, like, talking to him a lot when she doesn't have to. I think she likes him. I really do. I, I bet you by episode... I'm going to put this out there. By episode seven, they will have had a romantic interaction. Oh, man, don't give me another ship on this show, sir. I have, I've got enough as-is on this show. But the, the the PR woman does tell him, like, whatever her name is, she does say, like, you know, you probably need to wind it or something. I, and I'm purely willing to believe that's probably the only problem with this watch, is that he's just never had anything resembling an expensive watch before and has no idea what to do with it. Cut to Rome and Shiv and Connor. I guess they're going to have dinner. I, think, I guess Shiv has made a casserole, it looks like. Something like, like that, yeah. It looks like a little casserole thing. Maybe a little ratatouille situation. Ooh, nice. That's what it looks like it might be. They're all talking about a press release, and it's apparently tough. Ooh, you can tell right away. <sighs> you know, I. here's the thing. This is the state of the show, Spencer. I'm ready to do the state of the show. Are you ready? I'm going to get in front of Congress, and I'm going to give the state of the show it. address. Give me the show. Roman is now our barometer of morality in the show. Okay, can you picture season one, episode one, him looking in that little kid's face and ripping up the check? <laughs> what a callback. Yes. Let's yes. go from there That's to the guy now. That tells us what's good and wrong and where the line is. He is He's that the one. dude. Fat guy. Because right he there. is the one that tells Shiv and then abso facto tells the audience, this is too far. This yeah. is the line. And yeah. Connor follows him. Yeah, Connor, Connor, the guy who wanted to buy Napoleon's penis. The guy, these are our guys that are guiding us in in terms of basic humaning. What is this world? These are, these are our moral barometers now. And he acts the part because Schiff tries to sell it as a compromise with Logan. Logan wanted them to go on TV. Whatever. I mean, Roman and Connor weren't going to do that. So that's kind of beside the point. And then she says, really just clears up questions that everybody probably already has that they're all probably getting about Kindle. Eh. She says, well, you have to say it's accurate. Connor, yeah, like Oswald was accurate. What a line, Connor! Connor's got some... Two episodes now, Connor has had some, has some of the best lines of the show. This man is starting to show some power. Starting to show some, you know, ability, I think, out of this guy. We, we shouldn't forget. What a line. Yeah, like Oswald was accurate. Connor, it's kind of like a green car from hell. It's like a Times New Roman firing squad. Connor reads it off. Great line. Hits him for number one right away. Drug use. Just pointing that out. Two, absentee father. Mm-hmm. Pretty tough stuff here. Roman points out, quote, this is going to be out there forever. I don't know if you caught that line. I felt like that was the most powerful line in this entire sequence. When Roman says, looks at Shivs and goes, this is going to be out there forever. I think he was cutting through the bullshit, cutting through the games, cutting through the current situation and reminding her, Shiv, if you do this, 
this will be out there forever. Like this will always be a problem with you and Kendall. And he's trying to tell her this is too far. Both of them understand this. Shiv, I think cold light of day would get that, but she just does not care. She got hurt and She's Shiv knows fucking how to punch war back. path after the rape me situation. Absolutely. It is, like I said at the beginning, this line in the sand, it is fisticuffs, two people brawling now between well, Kendall and this, Shiv. This, I didn't see it coming. This isn't brawling. This is Shiv demonstrating in her father's style that she could be a killer. It's tough. It's hard. It's Roman cruel. says, no, I'm not signing this. I, this I love that this is not going to be line of the episode but I just love it it's for me it's my favorite line because it's it's like someone talking as a human being I'm not signing this because I don't want to it makes me feel unwell he taught me how to aim my pp in the toilet weird I, I'm gonna I'm gonna de- let me let me let me translate for everybody please, what, yeah. what Roman means he's my brother and I have a lot of positive memories from him from childhood yeah I thought it was the most Roman way possible of expressing that thought but it actually made me go oh yeah, it did. It was like he's basically saying it. He's my big brother. Like he, he I, in all of that that it entails. Shiv, that's not a reason. Roman, take me to reason court and sue me. <laughs> when he starts saying shit like that, you better just move on, which she does. Also, also, Shiv saying in response to that, that's not a reason. That I love my brother and he's one of the most important people to me isn't a reason. No, not a reason. Apparently take me to reason court book. and sue me. When, when Roman starts saying shit like, take me to reason court and sue me, You've lost. just game over. Game no, over. No, no point anymore. The conversation's over. I don't think even Jerry can move him off of it when he starts talking like that. No. Connor says, I won't do it for free. I'd like some consideration. I would like some <laughs> suck suck on my dicky dick. Now, you Connor? are a big con head. You, Connor? All right. You're a known con head. What do you have to say to Connor about this line to his sister? Connor, you're hanging out with Roman too much. You guys need some time apart. I know you two are close. I know you two have been on the same page a lot lately. We've got a lot of references to suggest that you two have a very close and loving relationship, but you need some space. He's starting to have too much influence on you, man. Let's get you That's out of a there. Weird you're, one. you're adopting his vocabulary. That's a very strange one to say to your sister. I would what? like some suck suck on my dicky dick. And I like that Roman immediately jumps on it too. Says, me too. Yeah, I want some suck suck on my dicky dick. He's basically telling her to fuck off. He's doing it. Yes. He's, he's adopting a Roman persona to say... Fuck no, I'm not doing this. No. Shiv, fine, I'll do it myself, as always. Thanks for all the fucking help. So, here's what we get. In essence, Shiv is so angry about what occurred with the rape me thing, with her big speech at the town hall, that she has drafted an open letter to Kendall. Or I guess, maybe not to Kendall, maybe it's to everyone else. To the world. about, About the situation with Kendall. She wanted her two brothers to sign on to. The moral barometers that they are told her that was a line too far. She said, fuck you. doesn't matter. I'm doing it. I'm sending it out. And that's where we're at. Cut to Tom giving a speech at ATN. Question. Question for you. Yep. She says that our our dad told us to do this. And I think even Roman calls her out as bullshit. What do you think? Is this Logan's idea or is this Shiv just putting words in his mouth or telling him that she's going to do this and thought it was a good idea? She told Logan. Logan said, yeah, sure. That, yeah. That is this very is much coming from Shiv. That. This and is I, coming from Shiv. And, and, and when Roman points it out, Shiv backs up a little. Yeah. Like he hit like he hit on the truth there. I, I, I think it's a, it was also a very effective scene just showing how good Roman is with other people. Is where she says it was her dad's idea and Roman just cocks his head and just says, bullshit. He reads it immediately that, no, this is your battle. You're the one that's, this was your idea. You're doing this. 
I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be part of it. Absolutely. That's a hundred percent what it was. And, uh, he, you know, I think, I think right now we're having to look at Roman as like the, the voice of reason among the voice. Hey, Roman and Connor are our voice of reason. What the fuck has happened in this world? Yeah. It's very strange. And then we have Tom giving a speech at ATN. Here's to you. Here's to weathering the storm. Cut to Kendall meeting with the writers. Uh, they are hey, clearly... Don't yell out of this. I thought Tom was doing a good job. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's giving a speech to ATM and he says, here's to you. Here's to weathering we, the storm. We, Basically, we, he's, we, he's got a group of people together at ATN and he's having a, a dinner and he's 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 glad handing them a little I, bit. I just, want, I just want to know, we've never seen Tom do his job before. We've never gotten to see Tom do his job. So seeing him actually do his job and see that he's actually kind of competent at it, even if it's just, you know, meaningless celebratory shit. I want to give him some kudos next. It's just because we've never really gotten an opportunity to experience professional Tom. Yeah, maybe. Um, but that's what he's doing. Okay. Cut to Kindle. Meeting with the writers. They're clearly uncomfortable about meeting with the guests. It's not common to go to the writers. For good reason. Situation. Um, Comfrey is Kindle's PR's person's name. I, I've got her name now. Uh, shows up with a press release. What? Kindle starts to read it. What, what, well, one what, moment, what, what? What, just one moment for the writers, just some of the things that Kendall says before he basically just goes in there and just keeps repeating, hurt me, fucking hurt me, until he's pulled away. And even the writers just kind of, as you pull away, just say, Jesus Christ, what is this guy? Yeah. Press release. Um, yep, press release. Kendall uh, starts to read it. And basically, he gives this like little back and forth with Comfrey where he's like, it's nothing. And she's like, I wouldn't say it's nothing. And Kendall's like, is the world just seeing this? And she's like, yeah, no, the whole world's seeing this. Kendall, can we ask them not to use it? It's private? Yeah, it's not private. She's basically like explaining, like, this is out there and it's as big a deal as you think it is. We need to go back to the bunker because this just changed any hopes we had of controlling the narrative. <laughs> yep. Cut to Kendall talking to a producer and he's asking them not to use it while he's on. And the producer is basically saying, no, there's no way that he can come on and they not use it. They're going to use it. But she's still trying to convince him to come on. And Kendall's like, yeah, I'm probably going to have to bow out. And then she pushes him again. And Kendall finally says, sure. Like, yeah, I guess like, sure, I'll, I'll do it. But, and here it is. Here is the moment that I feel like Jeremy Strong, like he has done a great job with Kendall. But this, this particular sequence elevates his performance in a way that I like I, I very often with really good performances. I can't always put my finger on one moment Here's in the way that I right can here. here, but this is it because he, he tells her sure. And then he starts to walk away and he, you know, they do this like sort of West wing follow, right? He's walking straight and, and we're back. The camera's backing up as we're seeing his face and he just changes. And he, he, he morphs in a period of about 20 seconds, as you pointed out, Back to that scared, like uncertain, like super anxious, not oh knowing where to look next little boy that he was for most of season two. And it is, it's a, it's a phenomenal acting performance. And I feel like if you followed the show, you know the various Kindles. We know the season one Kindle. We've we know seen the a season few. two Kindle. We've seen this Kindle before and when he when he it's almost like you know superman dropping the cape and like putting the glasses on and bam he's clark clark kent again like we see the transformation and we know where he's going because we've seen him we've seen him there before to, to ref, we love to reference game of thrones in the show but it almost reminded me of the house bolton words that a naked man has few secrets a flayed man none 
this is a man who's had everything flayed away from him in this moment. We're seeing the just bruised core of a person right now. And I love what they do with lighting when they do this, too. Did you notice that when he's talking with the producer, it's very, it's very colorful, it's very much natural lighting. The moment he turns around, it becomes straight-up morgue lighting of where he just looks pale as a corpse as he starts to go down this hallway. And it's just they shift what lighting he's in. It's beautifully done cinematography, too. Yeah, absolutely. And he ends up in a, a room of servers. Oh, yeah. And he sits down in a room sort of by himself and just Goes he, he gets the phone in front of him and he gets in this feeble, broken position. And it is clear that this move from Shiv has connected. It, it yeah. has connected him on the chin and knocked him down for sure. Yeah. In, in a way, nothing previously other than murder really has. But again, I think he's... Now, now the question for you is, why did this upset him so badly? In my mind, it's just because it's something he can't just laugh off. It's not just surface level. This is a deep indictment of his character. It's a wrecking... He's desperate for the world to view him as he hopes to be. He can laugh off the little things because that way they're not real. But for something like this, thrown out to the whole world, his actual sins laid bare in a way that can't just be simply chuckled away, this is vulnerability in a way he just doesn't know how to deal with, with how broken and just cracked of a persona he is. He keeps on just trying to mask his inner pain, his inner struggles, his inner problems. But now with their just splayed out that anyone could pick apart outside of his ability to control, outside of any hope he has of making a narrative that he can be proud of, that he can find a way to be happy with, I, my heart was just bleeding for this man right here. And it's something the show does so well of where Kendall is, you'd struggle to say he's a good person, he's a complicated one, but he's one that the show can still make you feel honest to God sympathy for consistently over the course of this series. I think he's as much of a protagonist as we have, and it's moments like this that you just, you want things to be better for him, even if you aren't necessarily rooting for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I agree with everything you said. Again, I go back to the thing of, like, I think he wants to be so much more than his demons. Yes. I think I he wants to be thought of as someone who, who has accomplished things, who's a serious person. He doesn't he doesn't want to be the worst thing about himself, right? You know, nobody wants that. Like the, the very the very worst thing that you face, nobody wants to be branded that. And what this letter does is put that back front and center. I mean, it even does the thing of like saying that like everyone needs to give him space as he struggles through this. Like like she uses language that you use when an addict has relapsed and you are trying to like in essence say like let this guy bottom out you oftentimes we talk about like addicts as if they're not like real people in those situations it's kind of like you know just like don't don't even listen to him don't even talk to him right now when he's in this mode we all know what he's like right now and that shit is like harsh as fuck ironically uh if it wasn't kendall and if he was in a better mindset and this hadn't struck as deeply as it did this kind of setup might, if anything, be better for him to go on the program. Because the program's no longer going to be making their own jokes. They're just going to be talking about what Shiv said. And it's so brutal. It's such a takedown. It's such a hit from the family. It almost inevitably gives you the opportunity to appear more sympathetic and for the host to commiserate with you about it. But he's nowhere in the right mindset to actually, you know, present that kind of response to it. Yeah, completely agree. 
Um, then we cut to Logan in the Waystar office and he calls to Roman. Roman explains that he's working with Jerry. He apologizes. He's actually like late night working. Like Pretty legit. Late, yeah. They're just doing work. Yeah. And Logan seems pleased by this. He, uh, Roman goes on to apologize to Logan um, about uh, not, you know, wanting to join Shiv's, you know, open letter. But Ro- Logan says he's smart to keep his nose out of it, which also makes me think, again, that le- maybe this wasn't Logan's idea, right? I don't think it was because Logan's like Roman's idea. like, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't do that, and Logan's like, yeah, yeah, I was probably smart. Yeah, I, I very, I very much agree with that, and it seems like Logan likes to set up his children to make mistakes, and I think he thinks this was a mistake on Shiv's part. Completely agree. Then he says, "I saw your little interview. This is the interview that he was doing with the the guy who was feeding in the lines, right? Yeah. And this is what fucking Logan says. Oh, I love my daddy." I never figured you for a f word. Whoa! It, they um, give him lines that make him seem 150 years old. They do, and this is interesting because I honestly think this is his way of trying to be buddy buddy with Roman. Yeah, I think th- I think this is his like locker room talk kind of shit. It is. It um, is where he actually is appreciative, so and w- this is his way of expressing it. And it's so fucking tone deaf. Yeah. Wow. Um, anyway, he says, so what's this fishing thing? So like, he's basically like, I'm never I fishing with you. What are you talking about? And Roman says, well, Connor gave me the, gave it to me. It's a single use family memory. Uh, it, and it, 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 I like that it was Connor because it again just establishes how much Connor really kind of for all the siblings was the big brother and did give them these kind of fun memories. That's part of the reason that he still is close to all the siblings despite being, you know, otherwise separate from their business and most of their lives yeah for sure and uh then we cut to sophie who's explaining uh she's down a guest uh so this is the um the 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 samantha b type character just like mm-hmm. before she's actually doing the show now she explains she's down a guest and we see kendall watching her in his she worst him, moment already yeah she calls him a few names but eventually gets to the open letter so she does address it that shiv wrote to him here is the quote i'm deeply concerned for the well-being of my brother again see talking about him but not like directly it's 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 tough we all know this tone our entire family has supported him through his many attempts at rehabilitation for his multiple addictions but the events of the last days have made it clear that our hopes for his recovery were misplaced I've not been a direct witness to his. I've 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 now been a direct witness to his misogynistic rants and his comparisons to world historical figures that were suggestive of grandiose and disoriented thinking. And I would ask that people give my brother privacy and consideration during this difficult time. And this is only part of the letters. We know from Connor and Roman's description that it goes on in all kinds of other directions from there. But God, this is brutal already. I mean, just like most people, most people don't ever have people talk about them this way. You know, yeah. but like, imagine if somebody was. Think about how much power it takes away from you when someone mm-hmm. talks about you like this. Well, it completely it takes the agency sense. away from you, and it takes your ability, your voice away from you completely. Because what? basically, what it says is, "This is a sick man. Don't listen to anything he says." It completely sets what the narrative is about you forever. It, th- th- this is going to be everyone's impression of you, regardless of what you ever do or demonstrate hereafter. It's hard. Uh, it's really tough. Cut to Jerry walking into Logan's office. She tells him the FBI is downstairs. Here we go, Spencer! It's here. I, you know, I, as excited as I was to talk about the town hall, I should have been just as excited to talk about this because this is a game-changing scene right here. Absolutely. 
She tells him the FBI is downstairs. Logan, tell him to fuck off. Jerry, yeah, these are the ones who don't fuck off. This is a search warrant. Logan starts pitching, stalling. Says, call Leo. Uh, maybe we can get Michelle Ann on the phone. Jerry cuts that shit right off. No, I think that the deputy attorney general got spooked by you talking to Michelle Ann. Logan, well, what the fuck did Michelle Ann do? She's got no fucking acumen, Jerry. Yeah, well, I guess the government isn't a fucking Pez dispenser. You don't push a button and something pops out the other end. Woo! Jerry has had enough. Yeah, <laughs> she is, absolutely. She knows this is the moment to say, Logan, you have got to understand this. Like, there's, the, there's, no, the, there's no other option. We have reached the results of you not listening to me. We can't do that anymore. This is the wall. You need to recognize that. Logan asks if they ask him to come back. If, can we just ask him to come back tomorrow? And Jerry explains, they will kick the door down if they need to. And if you lock a drawer, they will crowbar it open. Do you understand me? And we do not need to see, we do not need cameras seeing the FBI meeting any sort of resistance here. And finally, Logan breaks. I don't know if he gets it, Spencer. I don't, I, I don't, I still don't think he gets it. But I think he understands that in this moment, he has, he has less power than maybe he's maybe ever had that we've seen him other than maybe the stroke. I and think finally he says, I don't think cooperate, he gets Let him yeah. in, we'll cooperate. I don't think he gets it. I certainly don't think he likes it, but I think he accepts it, at least for now. That There is no other choice here. When when you present it with a Hobson's choice, you either select or you just... Your option... You, where to elect there is but one, tis Hobson's choice, take that or none. The op, n none not being an option, he accepts what's before him. Yeah. So, that's it. He says we're cooperating. Cut to Tom giving a speech to the ATN folks that I think he's speaking for all of us who are watching the episode at this point, we will survive this whole episode because of our strength and because of our depth of talent and because of our values, our true values. Um, guys, uh, also little heads up. And this is not something I want us to, you know, get out of proportion or spoil the evening, but it would seem that some agents of federal law enforcement are raiding the premises right now. So if you see them, that's what that is. Well done, Tom. Well done. Bravo. Cut to Logan telling staff just to leave things where they are. He's been over. He looks like he's in physical pain. Yeah. Cut to Shiv. She's seeing the news of the FBI raid at her house. She. What did you take her reaction as? Couldn't really read it. I'm curious. I was curious what your thoughts were. I thought she was really upset. I thought it was like almost crying. S seems that way. Yeah. And uh, on the other hand, we also get to see Kendall's uh, <laughs> expression from this. What do you make Kendall what he looks like? Kendall does the exact opposite that his, he does the, no, it's not exactly, he, Kendall does the exact same thing his father did at the end of season two. That little kind of queer grin at the end? Yep. That little small, like, hint of a smile. Yeah. And I think that, like, Kendall is pretty low at the end of this episode, but I think he got a small win when he saw the FBI raiding the premises. And that, my friend, is the end of the episode, and that is the end of your recap. This was a hell of an episode. I think this was the best episode of the season. It, we you talked about the second episode being a little bit slow about people must be talking in a room. Did this one pick up the pace for you for a little bit? Absolutely. I felt like they they really they did like a sort of a third of the way season build up arc payoff thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we got the first two episodes that kind of pay, pay were paid off a little bit in this episode, and I think that the Shiv versus Kindle thing is not going away anytime soon. I'm very interested to see where that goes. I thought it gave us some really big, great succession type moments. That sh that that rape me thing when she was doing for the town hall that was impressive. It's an all time all timer moment for this show, and then of course we got 
where the season is going to go from here, right? And that is that is the raid of the premises there by the FBI. So, sir, beautifully done on the recap, excellently, excellently summarized. Are you ready to move on to the next segment? I am indeed. I think we should go ahead and do line of the episode. Line of succession. Let's do it. I've got one nominee. I want to hear it. It is the first. It is the last bad tweet. Okay, he clearly has mental health issues and crazy guilt coupled with addiction, and that's all this is. And it's sad. I'm gonna also add into that. That one sucked. That one sucked. <laughs> I don't know. If I'm gonna do uh, one of the best Roman lines of the episode. Well, I think that's the grown-up solution that keeps everybody happy uh, in response to just you know Logan volunteering to punch Kendall in the face. This one from Logan. Oh, you know love and marriage. I feel another million drain with every cluck from that hen house. We did get to see Marsha one off moment in this episode, and that was that was what that came from. So good she's call. She's negotiating there. money. Yeah, she's boy. We, you know, we always we wondered in the first two seasons. We, is she does she really love him or is she? No, I, I, I no. think no. I think she actually does care for him. I think this cares for him. Care. I think she cares for him as much as she can, and I think it's legitimate. But in this world, everything has a financial edge too. I think, um, dude, I think you're right. I think she cares for him. I'm not sure she's there for love only. And I think that's obvious. That, yeah, very fair. A uh, line from Kendall, one of my favorite ones of the episode. Look at this. It's you now. I'm sorry, Siobhan. Whew. That was tough, wasn't it? Man. That, that was a powerful line. It was honest. It was just straight up. The, he's actually having an empathetic moment for right now. He's still going to bomb carpet bomb her with everything else when he attacks the company later but he actually is sympathizing because he's been where she is logan if that raisin hangs me out to dry i'm quite willing to do the same to him <laughs> straight up to the president's personal advisor jesus christ uh another from logan yeah the law law is people people is politics and i can handle a people Kendall, you're actually in a tough fucking spot. This is to Tom. It's not fun being the last eunuch in a forbidden city. I like you. Another life is possible, brother. Spencer, are you willing to go ahead and go out on a limb and and predict that that's foreshadowing? I think it is. I very much do. Okay. I think this is the go. direction Tom is heading in. Uh, I got three left. Uh, I love just, just the series of lines from Connor about talking about the letter. Yeah, accurate like Oswald was accurate. And it's a greeting card from hell. And it's a Times New Roman firing squad. All great lines. I've got Logan. Sorry, Pinky. Now do you see? Here we go. Hey, I got two more. Let me, let me get my two more. Okay, I'll just I'll keep going. Go. Uh, he taught me how to aim my pee pee in the toilet from Roman and everything else associated with it. Powerful line. It's said in Roman ways, but it's a powerful line. And one just a little off one that was just intimidating. Colin, I know you. That was a cutting little line right there, too. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. They are the nominees here for Line of Succession, Season 3, Episode 3. I'm going to do two. We have an honorable mention this week from Logan. Sorry, Pinky. Now do you see? And the winner! I, it might be the first time ever. Connor. It's a setup and a delivery. Setup from Shiv. What? You would have to say it's accurate. Connor. Yeah, like Oswald was accurate. Yeah, it's a great line. Perfectly said, perfectly timed. Good job, Connor. Might be his first time ever as line of succession. Connor is having a very strong season. He's a lot of con great. heads out there. A lot of con I heads. That's a great transition into who we think won the week who is the roy of the episode i think it might be connor just because he's the only one that wasn't playing <laughs> i mean think about everybody else everyone else even if they have great accomplishments 
this is just such a bad game for all of them that they all suffer. I mean, I, I think Roman and Con- Roman and Connor have to be fairly high on the list just because they avoid most of the shit. I mean, it can't. Well, they, it certainly isn't Logan. Logan and Kendall are at the bottom. They're, Logan they're and fighting it out for the bottom. bottom. Uh, even even when Kendall gets a minor victory at the end, it doesn't make up for everything else in the rest of the episode. Shiv is president and acting like a president. It has her coming out moment. And then she gets the rape me moment from Nirvana. So she's not too far behind the other two. I think she you're right. Go. I think it's I think it's Roman or, or Connor. I, I'm going to go Roman simply because I think that you, you have Roman and Connor are kind of in a dead heat because they're, they're providing up, that more. They're, yeah, they're teamed up. They're, they're providing that moral buffer to the outlandish thing that Shiva's about to do. I give the win to Roman only because we have that, that brief moment where we see that he's actually at the at the company working with Jerry. Like, the, and I don't want. I don't think we should lose track of the fact that Roman, that Jerry, is now truly the CEO of the company. She will. She will have the consequential power in that position. And Roman is locked in tight with her. And, it, and we got that small little glimpse that, yeah, he's still working hand-in-hand hand with her. And I also think, honestly, I think his dad has the best view of Roman if he does the rest of the siblings. Even if he said a couple episodes ago that Roman's out in terms of being a CEO now, I think he honestly just likes Roman best and enjoys him the most. And I, I think we've gotten se- several scenes of that. And, yeah, throwing also Roman just so beautifully reading his sister and what she was intending here. Roman actually impresses me in a way I never would have thought possible back in season one. And he still had some rough goddamn moments that he had to make up the Connor, apply the Connor story just to think of something positive with his dad. But that's less in this episode, more just representing what the hell their twisted relationship is. Yeah, and I'd also like to point out that, like, Roman is not playing all sides. Because when you play all sides, you're lying to multiple people. He's not lying. But he is in the best position with everyone. Because think about it. If Logan is successful in this thing... Roman's got a, a job in the company high up. As sure. you just pointed out, Logan is very pleased with Roman right now. And if Kendall ends up winning the whole thing and somehow takes over control of the company, you know he'll have a place for Roman because Roman is is the one blunting a lot of the bad shit that's going on. I don't think that Kendall has a real negative feeling toward Roman the same way he certainly does with Logan and Shiv. So Roman, kind of everybody's buddy right now. Uh, what, what, our one last uh, kind of sort of Roy that we usually include where does Cousin Greg rank on the list this week pretty low uh, Greg, uh, Greg, Cousin Greg had a real tough situation with the watch uh, 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 between Logan and Shiv where is he, where's he rank between the two of them he's, a, he's above both of, of them I think I think Shiv has to be lower but, but Greg is, is, is there, maybe, maybe right next <laughs> to Shiv right? I mean it's tough I'll tell you this remember in um, remember in Lasso, I would tell you periodically that the show within the show I wanted to see was what Beard and Roy Roy Kent were doing. Yeah, of course. Like what the assistant coaches were doing. That's the that's the episode within the episode. I would like to see a thirty minute episode of Greg's Odyssey with the Watch. Oh God! Can you just do, can that be like a short online or something? I would watch that in a heartbeat. Just just when finally the PR person just takes the watch off his arm and winds it and suddenly starts working again and they go out for crepes. I, yeah, I'd love to see that show. Yeah, I think those two. It's going to happen. Go, Greg! <laughs> Rooting for Greg. Let's ship him, Spencer. Let's ship him. Okay, that's... Uh, I think we're, I think we're awarding, awarding this to Roman with a with a silver medal to Connor this week, right? I think, I, think you've got, I think you've said it well. Okay. All right. That is enough out of me, Spencer. I've done a lot of talking here this episode. I do think this is a great episode. We will finish with concluding thoughts. But before we get there, my favorite five minutes of the week, Spencer's relationship with the episode. Take it away. 
I've got two things I want to point out. Uh, one is just more in keeping of the theme we did the last couple episodes with respect to the relationship the children have with their father. But if you're ever in a scenario of when you're asked to think of a single positive memory and you have to think of a memory that involves someone else rather than the actual person and pass it off as if it is a joyous event that the two of you shared, what should that ever tell you about the relationship that you have? If you can't even just conjure a single moment of actual honest enjoyment what are you in and why are you in it but more importantly i think sibling relationships like you've noted is kind of where this show is going and sibling relationships are one of those things of where you never fully get away from it it's not like a friendship that whatever else it is that you can just walk away from not even really like a relationship with your parents of where as bad as it is you can just kind of distance yourself with a sibling, they're always kind of there, they're always kind of part of it, and what you do in a given moment could have repercussions that last years. And so whenever you're in a situation of where you can do something that would hurt a sibling or color the relationship in a way that you can't take back, that has legs that you need to take a moment and ponder in a way that Shiv doesn't. She's angry, she's punching, she's doing what Shiv does when she's hurt, which is just salt the field and destroy the possibility of being hurt again. But she's playing this as if it is a single round game, when in reality it's a sibling relationship that you will be playing for the rest of your life, and you will be forever altering the tenor of the game based on what you do in this moment. So take a moment, ponder, assess what the repercussions of what you say or do could be to someone that you care about, because your anger may fade tomorrow, but the pain of what you inflict could be lasting for years or forever to come. Very well said. I think the, I think you had to focus on that for relationship advice the episode, right? I mean, that is the, that's the fissure. That's the big one. I, I think that's going to... St- I mean, I, can't, I don't... Maybe they'll do it. Who the fuck knows with this show? But I cannot imagine before the end of the season those two getting back on the same page. I, it really just places Shiv in such a horrible situation. Because she's gone all in for her dad. She is 100% in his camp. She's invested everything, everything that she has, her honor, her integrity, her ability, for the sake of his cause, and alienated herself from what was the other previously open to her viable alternative. Even alienated her from her other two siblings, because how much they disagreed with her for doing this. And so when her father inevitably either leaves her or betrays her or disappoints her, and she's also, even her husband's now probably looking for a jump away package. What does that leave her? What is her exit plan? What is her fallback plan when it comes to this? I'm, I like Shiv as a character, and I think she has potential to do a lot of things beyond what she's chosen to do. But I don't know how she gets away from this at this point given how much she has just put herself in this. I I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's no coming back from this. I really do. Um, and I, I'm on record. I think that, I think my guy's going to win. I think Kendall's going to win. So it's, it's trouble, but it's a, it is a very, very consequential episode for sure. Okay. Let's talk about our concluding thoughts here before we wrap up. I will say this. I thought the first episode was get me back in the world. I liked mm-hmm. it. Little, little setup. Episode two, a little slow for me. I was a little worried about what they were going to do with the season. See, episode three gave me, instilled that confidence in me again that they, we were going to have those really peak apex moments of what those big what the fuck succession moments. We totally got it. I thought this was really, really well done. 
I'm happy with the episode. I give it a, I'm going to give it a B plus a minus Spencer. What'd you think? I'm kind of almost in the same range of where the first two episodes are great. I love them quite a bit because they give us such great individual character moments, but they didn't really like move the arc forward. They're more about reminding us where everybody was and why. This one just gave us a... Oh, oh, sorry, Spencer. (laughs) Oh, sorry, were you talking? (laughs) Hugo! Uh, No, go ahead. (laughs) uh, It it reminded me, it just proved again that they have a command of the arc. They have a command of the long-term plan of what these character journeys are. That is just masterful. And it was... I was almost worried a few moments that they were kind of stereotyping certain characters, flanderizing them to a certain degree. And this one just really just hammers home how complete these people are and how multifaceted they are and how much their responses to things are human and empathetic in a way you wouldn't think these wastrels would you know, be capable of conjuring in us. So I, I was impressed. I loved it. And it, if I could only, if it could make me more excited for this show, I don't think it's possible, but it has achieved that. This is absolutely, you know, this show has the belt. I think it's the best show on television. And this is definitely, you know, Tyson in his prime fighting a guy 27 and two and walks out and knocks him out in the, the end of the first round. Like, that's what I felt like this episode was. It's, it's a show at the it's a show at the peak of it. It's a heavyweight show at the peak of its powers. The, the only complaint, honestly, you summarized it perfectly, though, is Naomi. Of how much I liked her in season two and what they did with her and Kendall's relationship. I hope they don't kind of one note her the way they have so far. Completely agree. I hope they give us more of that. Maybe just a couple scenes of the two of them together and Naomi fleshing out some of the decisions that Kendall is making. Maybe dealing, helping him with the fallout from the open letter. That might be a good way to do it. But I would want to see her have more context around her as a character again. Right now, she totally is just sort of a yes man. Exposure to her in something other than the kind of glad handing just facade they've been doing previously. Something more along the lines of the relationship moments they had last season. Just as you said, a set, a change of setting alone could matter a lot. Absolutely. Okay. I think that wraps us up. Any concluding thoughts before I end the episode, Spencer? Looking forward to next week, man. Absolutely. I really enjoy I If you can't tell, folks, I love we, this show. We like it's the best show. Best show on television. A phenomenal hour of TV. Thank you, HBO. Thank you, Succession, for this. I love this show. And I love our listeners. Thank you all for listening. You know, Spencer and I would be talking about this show regardless, but we do hear hear from some of you that you like listening to us. And if you do, please uh, subscribe, rate, and review. That stuff actually matters. Every time you leave a review, every time you leave a five-star review and you give us a comment, I read those. Uh, We take what you say to heart. We really like having a conversation with our listeners. We've done this with multiple other podcasts that we've had. So to the extent that you're enjoying this, we want to hear your feedback. And we want to be engaged with you, right? Because we want to make sure that um, we're all uh, enjoying this podcast, but enjoying the show together and that we're in conversation about it. Because that's a lot of fun. And we've had a lot of fun doing that with other pods. And we want to do it with this pod as well. So thank you again for listening. Again, we know there's a lot of succession content out there. And the fact that you join us every week means a lot to us. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out all of our pods on your favorite podcast platform by typing in Mangum Talks or going to Mangum Talks. Thanks again, and we will be back with you next week for Season 3, Episode 4 of Succession. Hope everybody has a good week. Talk to you then. Bye.